You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is J.J. Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry. We're recapping the weekend in sports. We're taking your phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SportsCallAU. We've got best and worst of the weekend. We've got birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guide. We're going to accomplish a lot of things here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Over the weekend, Auburn baseball lost to Ole Miss. They lost 5-1 in their first game of the Men's College World Series there in Omaha. And currently, right now, the Auburn Tigers are playing in the loser's bracket of their division of the College World Series and have a 4-2 lead in the top of the sixth inning. You can listen to that game on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, and we'll patch in some audio every now and again throughout today's show for you to hear directly from Andy Burcham and Brad Law on the call with the Auburn Sports Network here on our show as well. So big-time updates for Auburn baseball. They have to win. If they lose, their season is over. If they do, in fact, hold on and win, they will play the loser of tonight's game later, or they'll play that game tomorrow. The loser of tonight's game will be Auburn's opponent tomorrow. So a lot to discuss here on this Monday edition of the program. Again, J.J. Jackson alongside Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry as the game now goes to the bottom of the sixth inning and Auburn holding on to a 4-2 to lead over Stanford. Cam, how are you? Doing great. Turned 25 this past Yeah, the big weekend. birthday weekend. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so. We were yeah. able to give you a happy birthday wish on Friday yeah, on the show, but it was yeah. not quite your birthday just yet. Not it was yet. Saturday. Yes, yeah. so yeah, I've uh, turned 25 on the 18th and uh, spent some time, went to Six Flags on Friday, which is why I wasn't on the show on Friday. And then uh, Saturday, uh, hung out with my girlfriend and uh, helped, helped her out with some stuff because she still can't lift stuff. Um, but yeah, it was really good. We went to Papa Do's for dinner, so it was a great, great weekend. Good stuff. Yeah. Brant, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Uh, I had a good weekend in which I did absolutely nothing. Same. So that was a that was a very relaxing weekend. That's you and I always. both have very busy weekends coming up. Yes. So, uh, a weekend of nothing is always the best. A weekend of nothing is always great, especially in between two very yes, busy weekends. Because we had poker run last week. Right. And uh, this weekend, JJ, you and I uh, were, are both heading up to Atlanta. Yes. Not together. Right. But we are both going to be there. Going right. to be at the Braves game uh, on Saturday. And uh, I don't know what your plans are, but I'm going to be up there Friday as well. So... Uh, really looking forward to to going to that and you know having having a good uh, a good time but yeah it, it, my eyes are locked on Auburn baseball right now um 
Tommy and, Sheehan coming out to pitch this next inning for yep, the Tigers. Yep, like uh, and Auburn's bullpen has been lights out this postseason for the most part. So uh, hopefully that can continue. Auburn holding on to a four to two lead, and I mean, what what a game from Cole Foster so yes. far. Two for two after coming out of the last game uh, in the fifth inning, I believe he's been dealing with a stomach bug and apparently a lot of players on Auburn's team have been dealing with that but you know he's having his flu game so to speak yeah. so Sir. so base is clearing double there to give Auburn the lead and you know it is just big stuff big stuff from Cole Foster in this one hopefully that keeps up how's the man to your right doing today shall we ask him let's ask him Tom how are you uh I, I'm glad to be inside somewhere that has air conditioning amen uh, it is just uncomfortably hot outside uh yeah I mean I'm doing great uh weekend just work and staying out of the heat and yeah keeping track of this Auburn baseball team uh you know that Ole Miss game uh, a game where yes Ole Miss had an an outstanding pitching performance again but still you know you really hope that Auburn you would see a little bit of light out of the bats and then even today the bats have still not been there until Cole Foster uh finally had that bases clearing double um, they just need to hold on to it. But, uh, yeah, the offense has not been really there for Auburn. They've they've had a, a pitching performance against Ole Miss that was good enough to win. Um, uh, the, the pitching performance today so far has been outstanding. Um, uh, Trace finished nine strikeouts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's yeah, – that, I mean, that's about – that's as great of a comeback game for him. Sure. As you oh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the pitching the pitching there for Auburn is – Eight strikeouts okay, for Trace Bryant. Eight. Five innings, five hits, two runs, eight strikeouts. No, I'll take it, man. Faced 20 batters sure. and threw yeah. 77 pitches. Against Stanford, who is one of the best offenses in the country sure. as well. So, against Ole Miss – almost 120 home runs this season. Yeah. Uh, against Ole Miss, the pitching was good enough to get you a win, and so far the pitching has been, enough, has been good enough to get you a win uh, against Stanford. Uh, the offense has just really struggled uh, at the World Series. They did have just the inning, uh, like we just mentioned, were able to manufacture some things, get the bases loaded, uh, a couple of uh, back-to-back kits to start the inning. Uh, then DeSherry gets hit by a pitch, and then Cole Foster comes through with what is the biggest hit for Auburn so far in the College World Series because they didn't get the barrel on the ball much at all against yeah. Ole Miss and really haven't been able to do much at all again uh, today against Stanford until Cole got that big hit. So. Bobby Pierce had a bases-loaded walk to open the scoring uh, right. for the Auburn Tigers to bring in the first run. Uh, but you've also kind of seen, because of the bats not being there so far, uh, you've seen Auburn try to do a lot of things in this game to manufacture something, and it unfortunately has not worked yeah. out well for him. You, you had a bunt that went right back to the pitcher, and then you tried to do a double steal to try to manufacture something, and that turned into a disaster. So. Uh, you know the pressure's on when it when it's it's win it's win and uh, I'm sorry it's lose and go home. Yeah, it, the pressure it's the pressure cooker now. Cannot lose another game if you're the Auburn Tigers yeah. until you get to that national championship series. So they got to keep winning, uh, and they'll ultimately have to defeat either Ole Miss or Arkansas twice. Those two teams will play a little bit later today in Omaha. If Auburn wins, they play the loser of that contest. Again, the Tigers are 11 defensive outs away from moving on to tomorrow's game as again Auburn is looking for their first college world series win in quite some time they went two and done in the 2019 college world series Uh, prior to that Auburn hadn't been in the event since 1997 and Brant you mentioned this a little bit earlier I do want to bring this uh, to folks attention because Butch Thompson was so candid and so forthcoming 
with Andy yeah. Burcham on his pregame show interview that you can hear on the Auburn Sports Network. And again, the game right now on FM Talk 93.9. Butch Thompson openly told Andy Burcham and the world, said, look, seven or eight of our guys have been on the toilet for the past 24 hours. That's where they've been located, yeah. on the toilet for the last 24 hours. Cole Foster left Saturday's game in the fifth inning with the stomach bug. It has appeared to have gone through this team, uh, did not go into any names or any details, and then Butch Thompson quickly said, that can't be an excuse, however, for us. We just want people to know what we're going through right now. We have had seven or eight guys who their experience in Omaha so far, unfortunately, has been on the toilet. No. It's a bad place to be. It it is. No one wants to be there. That's tough. But I also like how Butch said, though, that it's not an excuse. It can't be an excuse. It can't be an excuse. I mean, you've still got to go. You're there. Yeah, they're not going to hold up the game because you got the poo-poos. I mean, you you got to to still play the game. So, uh, yeah, the the show must go on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Auburn's so far getting it done today. Uh, We just got to finish. Yeah, finish the drill. Yeah, yeah it seems absolutely. it seems like uh, since kind of even though you won in Corvallis, it seems like kind of in the middle of that super regional, the bats cooled off, and you knew you weren't going to score fifty runs in three games once sure. you got past your regional. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, the bats. I mean, it, I say this: Ole Miss has given up one run in their last twenty-seven innings, <sighs> not not earned runs. Bro, they have true. given up a run, earned or otherwise, uh, and. You know, it, so Auburn just having to deal with team. that, yeah. yeah, just just incredible, incredible pitching uh, from Ole Miss in that game on Saturday, and there was just nothing that Auburn could do. Um, it, but even that, just it, it felt like the at bats weren't weren't right. You know, you yeah. in this in the regional, Butch Thompson talked about it. He said, "Look, don't go up there swinging for the fences every time. Be okay with the opposite field singles. Be okay with the blue pits." And and Auburn was able to string together run after run after run. Right uh, again against teams that aren't as good as the teams you're playing right now. But you want to get back to that mentality. Yeah, you want to get back to that. It felt like everybody w- – it felt like the approaches at the plate just weren't up to snuff yeah. when when you got uh, – when you started playing against Ole Miss and when you have an Ole Miss team that's as hot as they are, you're going to have to take that kind of approach. And, you know, Joseph Gonzalez took the loss yesterday. Auburn gave up five runs. Gonzalez didn't pitch poorly. He no. did not pitch poorly. He pitched a pretty good game. Ole Miss just didn't miss anything. Uh, every yeah. mistake he made, they, he was he was good. Yeah. He was good, but he had to be perfect, yeah. and he wasn't and perfect. No, no uh, and it's you know, and it ended up. I think he gave up three runs uh, yeah, in did. that game. Three yeah. runs attributed to him. So, just a it, just a buzzsaw of an Ole Miss team right now. And I, I frankly, I I don't want to play them again. <laughs> I yeah. understand that you're probably I going do to not have want to, to but, face them again. But uh, you know, it, hopefully you can as Auburn makes it through the sixth unscathed. Yeah. Um, uh, just, well, well, the thing now, uh, what should be interesting is this game tonight with Ole Miss Arkansas. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because as great. much of a buzzsaw as Ole Miss was through their super regional, uh, you know, they they shut out Southern Miss in both of their games, yeah, right. and they've only given up one to Auburn in their first game. Arkansas has also been a buzzsaw. They have been lighting yeah. it yeah. up. Two two of the hottest teams. Yeah. Going up against Basically. each other. But, right but now. I guess you know Ole Miss. Uh, I guess they they lit the they lit the scoreboard up against Southern Miss in their first game. Was it a ten? I think it was like ten o five o. Yeah, I think that, that yeah. sounds yeah. right. Back to back shutouts for sure. Back to back shutouts, but I uh, you know five runs there, and then you know you get the what five runs yesterday against yeah. Auburn, mm-hmm. yep. or two days ago against Auburn. So. Uh, 
on the flip side, so Ole Miss has been getting it done mainly with pitching and defense and, you know, getting enough runs to get things done. Arsenal, on the other hand, seems like a team that is just hitting the just absolute mess out of the ball right now. So the combination of those two teams going up against each other tonight should be really interesting to see. And I also agree, I you know, when you're in an Auburn situation, if you do hold on and get this win, that's not either I, – I don't want to face either of those two teams. No, but unfortunately, you've got to, you, you've yeah, got you've got to win, win. I mean, and you got to win twice. Right. So. I, I compared it uh, the other day to – it's kind of like the Sweet 16 in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Once you get here, everybody there is now good, good enough to win a national yeah, championship. Sure. So you're going to have to go through a team – that is playing really well and is really good to begin with. Yeah. Any anybody here can contend for a national championship. And it's just a matter of, you know, how 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 much can you stand up to the heat? Unfortunately, unlike basketball, in basketball you only have to win the one. And this it would be like you have to play Duke twice to get to the right (laughs) to get to the to the championship game. It's like okay, fine, thanks. You know, can't make it any easy, but no. Uh, Auburn still hanging on to a four to two lead thanks to a Cole Foster yes. bases loaded. Six just ended going double. into the seventh. Yep. Yeah, heading absolutely. to the seventh. Uh, that's Auburn coming to the plate. Yep, in the top. So uh, we should see what we'll sh- we shall see what happens. But so far, right now, Auburn hanging on to that four to two lead. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to go to a quick break here. When we come back, I don't know what we'll do. Maybe JJ will be back. <laughs> we'll figure it out. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is jake crane host of the jboy show and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call welcome back in a sports call here on this monday afternoon beautiful day Brand Daughtry, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry, JJ Jackson walking back into the studio. Are you? I am. I'll let you get us set up and then we'll flip flop we'll back. Flip flop. Okay, yeah. we're about to do birthdays. Is that okay? Let's do birthdays, man. We're about to do birthdays. As soon as I turn that off. All right, let's do birthdays. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today. It is June the 20th. We'll start out, JJ, I'm going to need your help on this pronunciation. <laughs> Turning 37, former NBA center. Darko Milicic. Darko Milicic. What are we looking at? Mike. Your mic. It's off. Now yes. it's back on. All right. Darko Milicic turning 37 today. Cam helped you out. I wanted to be able to help you out, but the mic was turned okay, off. Well, so I could I still hear you. Right. Anyway. Former NBA center drafted second overall in 2003 by the Detroit Pistons. He is the fifth youngest player and the youngest foreign-born player to play in the NBA. He's the youngest player to play in an NBA Finals game and the youngest player to win an NBA championship. Yeah. That was obviously a couple years ago as he is now 37 years old. Tom is fist-pumping at something. Eight. Locked in. Okay. We're doing birthday. We're doing, we're, we're doing, doing birthday, birthday, and then we'll birthday. talk about no more baseball. Let's Milicic. celebrate these All birthdays. Right. Milicic is um, such a what if because imagine if the Pistons instead of drafting Milicic had drafted Carmelo Anthony. Right. Would have so many championships. LeBron one. Yeah. Darko Mil- two. I think Melo three. Melo three. Yeah. 
Was it Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade 4. Yeah. Dwayne Wade 4. Bosch 5. Bosch 5. Yep. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. And Darko Milicic, obviously. Poor Darko. Yeah, like, one that I don't Darko. know, but I mean, he, he, won a, he won a championship. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. In his uh, first year. In his first year, yeah. because the Pistons were very good that year. He didn't do as much. No, didn't do as much. Melo would have been a much bigger contributor, <laughs> would have continued the, the success of, of the Pistons throughout that uh, dynasty for sure. Happy but birthday, Darko. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Darko. Darko. <laughs> Who else? Turning 39 today is Josh Childress, former NBA small forward slash yeah. shooting guard. Drafted sixth overall by the Hawks in 2004. He's the highest draft pick that Stanford has ever had. Go Trees. He's ranked third among rookies in the 2004-2005 season. He averaged 11.1 points per game, 5.6 rebounds in 285 games in four seasons yes. with the Atlanta Hawks. Josh Childress, yeah. 39. I've Is he your him. favorite Afro in basketball? <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. I can but think of him, him and or, Ben Wallace. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben Wallace is yep. really close. I, I really liked watching that Pistons who's team. The, who's Wallace. the really chill dude who plays for the Cavaliers now that has kind of an Afro? Oh, um, Jared Allen. Jared Allen, yeah. Um, he is a chill guy. He's yeah. a chill guy. Um, He's a chill guy who's like, yeah, I'm a chill guy, and actually seems like yeah. a chill right. guy. Right, and Josh, has an Afro. Yes. Yeah. Josh Childress loved I've, – I've seen him actually play live. Um, one of my first Hawks games I've, I, I ever went to, um, and uh, I actually have a jo- had a Josh Childress jersey. I don't know where it is, but I did have one. Was he number one? I think he, yeah. It was either one or four. I can't remember. I, I can't remember. I, I gotta look it up now. Yeah. Is he related to and Brooks did, Childress? Did that's a great <laughs> question. Did jo- so Stanford is who you just shouted out? Yes, go trees. For whatever reason, except not today. I want to say that Josh Childress went to Oak Hill Academy. I'm not certain on that. Uh, he but went the to big. He went to Mayfair actually. So he did not go to Oak Hill no, Academy. Okay. I don't know who I'm confusing but, him with. Um, Oak Hill, one of the. Is this the Oak Hill in Atlanta that we're talking about? This is the Oak Hill in Virginia. Yeah. Virginia. Virginia, the big basketball yeah. school. There is an Oak Hill yeah. in Atlanta. Yes. Um, but he was number one. Okay. Correct. Okay. Happy birthday, Josh Childress, Josh 39. Childress. Darko and Josh Childress. Who else? Turning 51 today is Rodney Rogers, former NBA four, drafted ninth overall in 1993 by the Denver Nuggets. He's the NBA sixth man of the year in 2000. He's the ACC player of the year in 1993. ACC rookie of the year in 1991. His number 54 is retired by the Wake Forest Go Demon Deacons. He was the North Carolina Mr. Basketball in the year 1990. Rodney Rogers, 51. Wake Forest has had some hoopers. They have. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Rodney Rogers, Chris, Tim Duncan, Chris Paul. They, oh, wow, I, mean, I forgot about John Chris Collins. Paul. John Collins. John Collins. Yep. They. I mean, that, that's what, it's himself. it's super exciting for Auburn to be in this position to yes. get all these draft picks coming along. Yep. But there are some schools. <laughs> Look at their guys yeah. that they've got yeah. in the league, and Wake Forest yeah. is not somebody you would think about. No, but That's boy, they've yeah. got some players in the next level for sure. Turning 33 today is Terrell Pryor, former NFL quarterback slash wide receiver, drafted in the third round of the 2011 Supplemental Draft. He was the Rose Bowl MVP while playing for Ohio State in 2010. He's a Big Ten freshman of the year in 2008. He holds the NFL record for the longest touchdown run by a quarterback at 93 yards. Terrell Pryor, 33. Maybe Lamar can break that record. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Lamar that'd could. be the one yeah. guy I'd I'd kind of say that could oh, yeah. happen. I think um, Cam could do it. I Cam, Cam could, could do, do it. it. I don't know that he's <laughs> going to get, get an opportunity lucky. again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I don't, about today's game. He's going uh, to, but I think he could. You know, Josh Allen, maybe. That guy is so mobile. If he yeah. gets some open Josh, space, gets some blockers downfield. Josh yeah. Allen for a super tall, Sneaky thick, fast. white dude. Very right. fast. Sneaky fast. But Terrell Pryor, as you said, Rose Bowl MVP for Ohio State yep. at quarterback. Yep. yep. 
and then moves over to wide receiver yeah. in the NFL. I think he's one he's one of the first guys for me at least that comes to mind in terms of quarterbacks moving to moving wide receiver yeah. at the NFL level. You see yes. that a number of college. Right. But in the NBA or NFL, excuse me, not as popular. Happy birthday, Terrell Pryor. Turning 37, another former NFL quarterback, Matt Flynn. All right. 37 today. <laughs> LSU. In the seventh round of the 08 draft by the Green Bay Packers out of LSU. is the two-time BCS national champion, 2003 and 2007. He's the Super Bowl. Let me. Eh, I believe that is 45. Okay. X- XLV. That is 45. Super Bowl 45 champion. Career passer rating of 85.9. Just above the just above the league average for his playing days. Matt Flynn, 37. You have. Three rings. Les Miles. That was his quarterback yeah. for the LSU National yep, Championship yep. winning Tigers well, there in 2007. 2003 was still Nick Saban, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, so he won with Saban and with Miles. Correct. Turning 39 today, Darren Sproles, one of my favorites. Former NFL running back and return specialist, drafted in the fourth round of the 2005 NFL Draft. By the San Diego Chargers, he was the Super Bowl 52 champion, three-time Pro Bowler, NFL 2010's All-Decade team, most all-purpose yards in a season, that's an NFL record, with 2,900, excuse me, 2,696, now serves as a personnel consultant for the Philadelphia Eagles. I loved watching Darren Sproles, yeah. man. I also enjoyed watching Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles is electric player. who Brant Daughtry likes to refer to as short kings. Yeah. He would yes. be one of those yes. guys. Yes. The, the first, like... Super short NFL player where I was like, oh wow, look at him. He's Scat tiny back. and he's really good. Scat yeah, like that's Darren Sproles is kind of who I always thought Sean Shivers was going to be for. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he kinda was for for a little while there. So Happy Darren, birthday, Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles, the five foot seven wonder. <laughs> today. I don't know if he's actually five seven. He's closer to like five nine, I think, but either way. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, Tuki Toussaint turns twenty six today as a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first round of the 2014 MLB Draft, made his MLB debut in 2018 for the Braves and was considered one of the top prospects in that draft class. Has been sent down to Gwinnett a couple of times, uh, has been back and forth with the Major League team and with the uh, Gwinnett Stripers, but pretty good. Pretty good. Has potential for sure. He's he's really good, but he's inconsistent, and that's why he, exactly. keep, that's why he keeps getting bounced around between AAA and the, and the show as he just has not been able to find that that overall consistency that you need to have. So, uh, either way, happy birthday, Tukey. Happy birthday, yeah. Tukey. I, I, have, I have high hopes for Tukey. Yeah. Running down him one more time. Darko Milicic turns 37. Josh Childress is 39. Rodney Rogers, 51. Terrell Pryor, 33. Matt Flynn, 37. Darren Sproles, 39. And Tukey Toussaint turns 26. And as always, if it is your birthday... Happy birthday to you. Yes, indeed. That's our birthdays in sports here today on this Monday edition of Sports Call. We're going to get back to Auburn baseball in just a moment. But right now, I do want to kind of transition from Tukey Toussaint into a little bit of a conversation about uh, the Atlanta Braves. I know it. Who won one game <laughs> over the weekend against the Chicago Cubs uh, after winning 14 consecutive. We're sighing, but they're still 15-2 and two yeah. in the month of June, Amazing, which still. is incredibly impressive. And speaking of Tukey... The internet had Tukey's back over the weekend. A number of Braves reporters and writers and fans jumping in saying, look, there is no reason why Tukey Toussaint should not be on the big league club 
right now. With how well he's pitching and the the lack of uh, a couple of arms in the Braves' bullpen mm-hmm. have been going down in recent weeks. A lot of people want to see Tukey come back up to the bigs and have a spot in the bullpen. At times, he is hit and miss yeah. when he's a starting pitcher. But for somebody that you're looking to just throw it really hard yeah, and get your three really... outs, Tukey can contribute. Yeah, I think my favorite way that I've ever heard um, bullpen versus starting pitchers described, and I think it was this uh, Tyler Matzik had an interview with uh, Chip Carey on uh-huh. the broadcast one time. Said something like, "It's chess versus checkers." You know, when you're when you're starting, you have to think, "Okay, I got to pitch this guy at least two more times." So how do I handle him? Do Good I just point. go straight fastballs? Do I give him my best stuff here and then start working on him later? Do I start him off with a curveball? You know, you have to worry about him later. When you're a reliever, you're just out there giving him your best stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about facing him again. You're going to see him one time. So how do you get him out? And that that certainly has to take a lot of pressure off of a pitcher and. I think Tukey, with his with his stuff as good as it, good as it is, uh, could certainly contribute in a in a like you said a depleted bullpen. Right we now. were at Poker Run uh, last weekend, and you and Bill Bailey got into a little argument about the most difficult sports <laughs> to play, right? Mm-hmm. And and Bro. baseball hockey. was something that was discussed, and hockey as well, and hockey factors in with the ice skating that is involved, yeah. and then the skill that goes along with it. We'll forget about hockey for the moment. What you just said, though, Brant, with how hard it is to hit a baseball and then all of the thinking that is involved with it. Like Tyler Matzik just said, it is chess. Yeah, Yeah, Because the next time a starter comes up to the plate, the batter has to be thinking, he threw me a curveball on the first pitch. It's not read and read. Like, you're literally thinking the entire time. If you are are a major league hitter and you go up there, okay, I'm going to see this pitch out of his hand and then determine what pitch it is, and then I'm going to decide whether or not I want to swing at it, you're going to strike out. Is it too late already? <laughs> you're, it's too late. If like Once that ball's halfway home, your swing has to already be started. It is insane how difficult it is to hit a baseball. Yeah, I mean, that, that chess match, it, it, it goes into just like any other sport where you have to watch film on, on people, and that's what they do. They watch film on these pitchers, and they know their tendencies You know, if, you know with certain counts with certain people on base and i mean it, it goes down to just that specifics you know what what does this guy normally throw when we've got one out and a guy on second base yeah you know does he like to paint outside inside are you left-handed right-handed to how he's going to throw and so yeah i mean it is definitely a chess match and so you have to go up there knowing those tendencies and go off of the tendencies now the pitcher can completely fool you which that does Tendency happen a lot. Breakers, yeah. Right. They they win that chess match sometimes, yeah. but then there's other times that you you know you're sitting there at a 3-1 count and you know this dude is going to bring a fastball right down the middle cuz that's what he does all the time and you just sit back on fastball and as soon as it comes out of his hands you read fastball and you just hammer. Good to see the Braves pick up a win yesterday, 6-0 over the Chicago Cubs. We saw Travis Starr no homer in addition to Michael Harris the second as the Braves come back home in a good mood. They've got four games coming up against the San Francisco Giants, and then the Dodgers come into town this upcoming weekend. So, Brant, we'll go ahead and we'll head to our next commercial break here on the program. And on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about Braves baseball. We've got some Auburn updates for you uh, that we'll get to you as well. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to have more things to talk about here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. As always, your phone calls are welcome, 334 
887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Your phone calls come to us on the Auburn Bank phone line. My name is JJ Jackson alongside Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry. We'll take a quick timeout right now and we'll be back with more sports call here in just a moment. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back in. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Tom Brant and Cam on this Monday. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You can call in and chat with us, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at one 9 We had the Juneteenth holiday over the weekend also uh, yesterday. Had Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Belated Father's Day once again to all the dads out there that are listening to our program on Friday's show as we do annually going into the weekend. We all gave Father's Day shout outs and I'm actually going to continue that right now because I know Tom and Cam weren't here and uh, just want to pass along the word to all the dads out there. Another opportunity for me to tell my old man how much I love him and how yeah. much he means to me. Uh, but, Tom, tell oh. us about your dad. Tell us about, uh, we, you know, we were kind of talking about stories getting us into sports, and, and it's a father-son deal that so many people come up, and oh, yeah. oftentimes it is your pops that gives you the love for sports that you have. So uh, any stories or anything that comes to mind for uh, the Mr. Tom Peavy? Well, I mean, I, you know, the, the first thing I've, just jumps out at me is just a throw and catch with my dad in the backyard. I mean, that, that's yeah. That's usually the first memory. Uh, uh, just playing catch. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, and it was always uh, well. Football became football became my love just because I started going to so many football games. My dad played high school football before he uh, uh, left to go into the navy. Um, but uh, I I, was just, I never had the size to do football, but, uh, you know, baseball, um, soccer, different things like that, golf. Uh, but, you know, my dad was always very supportive with that. But yeah. uh, like I said, though, that first memory, you know, I still remember it was an Easter. I got my very first glove was an Easter. I don't <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but, I mean, I had to have been maybe four, maybe five. Yeah. And got my first uh, baseball glove on an Easter. And so I just remember awesome. throwing, throwing – you know, throwing back and forth with my dad, and that, and uh, yeah, ever since I mean, he's just supported anything I want to do, whatever it was, whether it be sports, whether it be on the music side, because I did a lot of the music side, and especially a lot of travel when it came to the music side of things. But uh, my dad's always been very supportive of me, and uh, you know, and has also instilled a lot of discipline in me just because of uh, him being in the Navy. Right. Uh, it, I ended up developing a lot of that discipline, that kind of military style discipline about myself just from growing up in a military family so yeah big shout out to tom pv senior love it happy father happy father's day to tom pv cam let's toss it over to you man let's get a father's day shout out from you bro yeah my dad shout out to reginald barry um we uh i mean just every year we i mean i've always had a love for sports just growing up kind of like naturally um i've always i grew up playing basketball a lot 
kind of tried football a little bit, but definitely was more into watching. Yeah. Um, because just I was a short kid. I was a <laughs> tight kid. So. Um, but we would watch the Super Bowl every single year. Um, he would cook hot dogs, and we'd sit there, and we watched the Super Bowl. Um, he took me to my first Falcons game. I was 13, I want to say. Uh-huh. Um, we played, I remember it to this day, first Falcons game in the Georgia Dome. Surreal experience. We went, we played the Arizona Cardinals, and the Falcons won 49-0. to Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a good way yeah, to start. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and I was just hooked to that day uh, to this day. And um, we went down to like a little tunnel. Like I have a hat, um, and that team was also uh, pretty pretty good that year. Um, and so I, I have a bunch of I have a hat that has a bunch of of autographs from a lot of of Atlanta Falcons players. The only ones that I don't think I have are Julio. I think. Or Roddy White. I might have Roddy White. I might have it on there. I'll have to. I have the hat with me. I'll have to bring it in one day. Um, but yeah, just awesome memories. We went. I, he took me to my first playoff game. We had season tickets. We would go to all the Falcons games and stuff. It was always a great time. Um, I've always enjoyed Falcons games with my dad. That's just something that we have yeah. always been into. Um, so yeah, and like kind of Tom said, you know, military background. Um, my dad uh, served in the army. Um, so very had instilled a lot of discipline, a lot of those were some of the life lessons, life lessons you learned, a lot of order, a lot of, you know, stay prepared, stay ready. Um, you never know and, um, different things like that. And so, yeah, he's, he's taught me a lot. I love it. Happy father's day again to, uh, all the dads out there, all of our old man, certainly appreciate what you do. And, uh, for all of us, if we're ever, uh, given the opportunity to be a dad, I, I know that we know the blueprint because we've had so many great dads, uh, out there in front of us. We talk about baseball, and yesterday, a, a tradition that Major League Baseball does every year, you've got the blue bats that the players are always nice. using and the blue gloves and wristbands and all of that. So, uh, so much fun to kind of see those Father Day, Father's Day traditions uh, as we've seen with America's pastime. So, speaking of baseball, we've currently got the Auburn Tigers in the College World Series they're taking on Stanford, and Auburn does have a 6-2 to two lead right now in the top of the 7th. Stanford has the bases loaded, and Auburn is going to their closer. They got the final eight outs of the game against Oregon State with Blake Burkhalter. They're now bringing in Blake Burkhalter. He's trying to get the final seven outs for Auburn and would what put them into tomorrow's competition. If Auburn wins, Stanford's season comes to a close and Auburn gets to play again tomorrow. Uh, in this, so Auburn's up six to two right now, and things are looking great. And things were looking great here in the uh, bottom of the seventh uh, with two quick outs. But just like against Ole Miss, for some reason Auburn's got this two out bugaboo that it can't get over right now. And, uh, and so yeah, with two outs, uh, Stanford's loaded the bases. Uh, you've had a, a a hit that uh, got over. Uh, I think it was Bryson Ware. Um, just from reading the description, sounds like he broke the wrong way and uh, got one over his head. Then you had a hit by pitch, and then you had another single. So uh, all with two outs, and that's what hurt Auburn yesterday was with the two out stuff. So uh, Burkhalter is coming in. Good thing is Burkhalter is a guy that could close that out. Bad thing is uh, if Auburn does survive this game, then you're probably not going to have Blake Burkhalter tomorrow. So uh, that's kind of part of this coaching chess match that you have to go through. Yeah. But, I mean, when you're in a 
a do or die situation. You got to win if you yeah. want to keep it going. So, uh, you, you, yes, you're just going to have to blow Burkhalter here in this one. Yeah. I know Butch Thompson did not want to have to do that, but uh, Sheehan all of a sudden hit the struggle bus here with two outs in this inning. Can't seem to get out of it. Butch Thompson also didn't want to be in this position, period, well, uh, with yeah, Auburn yeah. having lost the game against Ole Miss because, I mean, and, and as soon as the teams lose that first game, statistics are thrown into your face oh, at yeah. how impossible it is to kind of work your way out of this position. Your back is against the wall. Whoever Auburn sees at the end of this bracket, they will have to beat them twice. No way around it. you got to beat somebody twice because you're going to be playing a team that has yet to lose at all at this point. And so uh, with your season on the line, you have no other choice. You've got to go to a guy like Blake Burkhalter and hope that he can shut the door, and that's what he's trying to do right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it truly is. Uh, you hear all the time about must-win games and stuff like that, and I always think that's dumb because mathematically most of those are not <laughs> must-win games. This is a must-win. You, you, loser goes home, winner keeps playing baseball, and, you know, Auburn, Auburn didn't want to go home yet. And, yeah, it was really weird. Sheehan was cruising. It really felt like he was, you know, cruising. Yeah. He had two out in the bottom of the seventh, but, uh, you know, just like Tom said, he just lost a little bit of that control and got barreled up, hit a guy, and then got hit again, so... You know, bases loaded, two outs, and a 2-2 count with with Blake Burkhalter right now. He, if anybody can get Auburn out of this, it's Burkhalter. You know, if, he's your guy. He's the guy that you he was want. money if, in Corvallis. Yeah, he's absolutely money. Our last he's, week, sports call player of the week a week yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, SEC saves leader this year, uh, finalist for closer of the year uh, or stopper of the year, national, whatever that award is. But he's... He's a finalist for it, and uh, he has every he has every right to be on right now. And uh, if anybody can get it out of it, it's him. Again, in this game, Auburn fell behind two to nothing after the first two innings of play. They got four runs in the sixth, two more in the seventh, as Auburn currently holds on to a six to two lead. And again, trying to advance to Omaha, or excuse me, just another day. They're in Omaha. They just want to make it another day forward. Yesterday, oh. we saw Texas eliminated. Texas was the preseason number one team in America. Yep. Texas was the favorite going into the event. Going into the week of all eight teams, Texas was the favorite. And uh, what's the old saying? Two in a barbecue. Yeah. Uh, they played two games and they've already been ousted. They're done. And this will be the second team eliminated from the College World Series, the loser of this game between Auburn and Stanford. And uh, everybody through about midway of the season, by the way, Auburn just got out of the inning. Strikeout swinging. Strikeout yeah. swinging on a three-two count. Your stat, your stat broadcast is just a tick ahead of mine. Yeah, right. I'm watching. I'm watching oh, JJ's. Watching big I'm watching okay. big screen. JJ's computer over here. Um, I, I lost focus. What I <laughs> we were talking about Texas. That they Texas uh, about midway through the season and on through towards the end, everybody was talking about Tennessee and how great Tennessee was. Preseason, Texas was supposed to be one of the. That was supposed to be Texas. What Tennessee did this year was supposed to be Texas. Because right. in the preseason, all the prognosticators and everything talked about that this Texas team could loaded, be top loaded to top yep. to bottom, pitching, hitting, everything, that it could potentially be one of the best college baseball teams that you have ever seen in your life. And then they just didn't get it done. They struggled through the season. They did make it, obviously, to the College World Series, but right. immediately knocked out of there. So uh, – yeah, I mean, that's a dis. You hate to say a disappointing season when you make it to the College World Series, but for Texas, when you, yeah, when you had the with, expectations, yes, that had. The, the preseason expectations of this might be a generational type team. You may never not, you may never see another team like what Texas is about right. to put out there. That was the talk that was going on preseason. 
and they didn't get it done. So yeah, you, yeah, it's just you hate to see a disappointing uh, yeah. season when you get to the College World Series. But I mean, they, you know, they struggled during the season. They got there, but then get knocked out in two games. So yeah, definitely disappointing for the for the Longhorns. On to the eighth inning we go for Auburn and Stanford. Auburn has a 6-2 lead. Texas, the first team eliminated. One of these two teams will be the second. Also over the weekend, speaking of Father's Day, something that always seems to line up, you got the U.S. Open coming to a close yesterday. Matthew Fitzpatrick walks away with the victory over Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler. Uh, It was chaos. I, I really enjoyed watching... Uh, the final round yeah. yesterday, because man, there were there was a lot of drama and and back and forth. There was a lot of drama, and he ends up winning it by one stroke. Uh, again, now we we usually do these predictions in our monthly predictions, yeah. And and all of us are typically throwing out names that are the common golf names, but again, you just never know never. with golf. I mean, nobody's going, nobody in their predictions are going to pick Fitzpatrick to win the U.S. Open, yeah. I mean, but that's what happens in these golf tournaments like this, and it could be a major or just a regular tournament. These guys come out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm checking now, right now to see who who picked who. Nobody picked Matthew no, oh, Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah, I know well, nobody, yeah, yeah. I know nobody we picked had some, him. We had some Spieth, yeah. some Kepkas, some, yeah. uh, Probably some Dustin Shefflers. Johnson, yeah, some Scotty Schefflers. Yeah. I think I picked J- Dustin Johnson. Dustin. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that's how it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was really nip and tuck all the way down. You know, he didn't run away with it. Uh, he ends up winning by stroke, but even on the 18th hole, he hits his drive over into a sand trap. And if you know anything about golf in the U.S. Open, they they purposefully make these golf courses even tougher. They they go to they go to courses that are already pretty tough, and then they amp amp it up even more with long rough, and they do stuff with the bunkers to make it difficult. Well, he finds himself in in a in a uh, a fairway bunker. Yeah. This was played and, at the Brookline Country Club in, in Boston. Yeah, yep, they call it the Country Club. Um, the Country Club. The Country Club. <laughs> but uh, but he he makes an amazing shot out of that sand trap onto the green, and that allows him to just lag a birdie putt up there and tap in for par. And then it was up to Zalatoris to to make a pretty long birdie putt, which he almost made. It, yeah, he it did. Didn't miss by Boy, much. did he. But uh, so yeah, I mean, Zalatoris has come close a number of times of yep. winning one of these majors, and yeah. he's going to do it at some point. Matt Fitzpatrick, what was so fascinating to me, an odd guy, twenty-seven years old, mm-hmm. he's still got the braces. Yeah. I mean, just a, a different look out there when he chips. His hands are crossed the wrong way. He yeah. keeps the flag in when he puts, when he puts which you don't see that. For I mean, that's fascinating. Everybody, yeah. when you get to the green, you take the flag out. And Fitzpatrick keeps the flagpole in. Yeah, the the I can understand that. That um, you know that actually used to be a rule that the cat you had to pull the flag stick, and uh, it was either last year or something. They decided that you could keep the flag stick in. So it's got to be a vision thing, or so. Is I that guess. I I don't know. I've, playing the bank potential. I mean, well, no, you don't you, want no, you don't want to play a bank on that. Is the ball's going too quick? Sure. Yeah. Uh, or it could be going too quick. Um, I, I I personally just from somebody that has played a lot of golf, I I am pulling that pin out. Yeah. I I don't want there to be any sort of obstruction keeping that ball from going in the hole. Right. And there's and, the possibility and, with the pin with the flag still in. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. So. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the mentality there. I don't know why you would want an an obstruction there. 
I don't understand why you want to close off at least even a portion of that hole. But it could be an aiming thing. With the pin there, it probably helps you aim better instead of just kind of looking at a void with a little spot. Right. To where you got to hit the ball. If you, you actually have a stick there, that's a good aiming point for yeah, you. Yeah, frame so, of reference for right. you. So yeah. I, I can understand that, but I, I still I, – I that would make me nervous taking up any sort well, of – Real estate with inside that cup. I, I don't want anything in the way of a, of a ball trying to get into the cup. Congratulations to Matthew Fitzpatrick. He is your U.S. Open champion here in 2022. All right, we've got to take a break. We've run out of time here in the first hour of Sports Call today. Alongside Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry, my name is J.J. Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry inside our studios here on South College Street. It's a Monday. Starting a brand new week here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show as uh, the month of June is moving along. Tomorrow's a very exciting day for all of us as uh, it's going to be opening day for the Thunder Chickens. Season getting <laughs> yes, underway sir. here for yes, 2022. How are our bodies feeling? Going? What's our, what's our preseason injury report or uh, just just medical report for everybody going in i got feeling good i have chronically bad knees and a a back that's iffy at best but other than that i am you're ready to go how do you feel today feel i feel great today i'm gonna go work out later today so we'll uh, we'll see how how i feel tomorrow tomorrow, yeah yeah. tom give us the report uh i I don't know (laughs) (laughs) you don't Um, know how you feel yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel good, but I also haven't started throwing a ball yet. See, y'all did a little practice. Tom is day to day. Yeah, well, I think I'm good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not nursing any injuries or anything like that. But uh, I also was not able to participate in our practice that we had. So, uh, you know, I, once I get out there and start throwing, that's when I, it's time to, you know, you'll start to figure some things out. Start see to how figure we're some doing. things out. You know, I, I might need to do. Uh, like like the old Wizard of Oz with the uh, Tin Man and and have like a little oil can, you know, squirt it on the elbows <laughs> and the exact, shoulder. I actually know what you're talking about. In I this would reference. I would hope you yeah. know the Wizard of Oz, but yeah, I might need a little oil can to to uh, <laughs> squirt a little bit on the elbows and no on kidding. the uh, on the shoulder and and get everything going. But I, other than that, I feel good. I'm not hurting or anything. Yeah. So, Cam, how about you? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. 
been in the gym, so I'm a little stronger. I feel like I'm a little faster. Yeah. Um, That's what I, we like to I, hear. I am not faster. Yeah. <laughs> feel feel uh, feeling good. Um, been doing been getting a little bit of practice in with Van throwing. Yeah. And uh, getting some hitting in. Heck yeah. So I'm ready. We're ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready. We're ready to go. We open up the season tomorrow. And uh, we'll give you updates, I'm sure, on Wednesday because uh, that was our routine last summer on, on Wednesdays to come in and Tom would be back on the program and Tom would just tell you the, the honest truth. Well, we didn't score a whole lot of runs last night or, or whatever the case may be. Right, Tom? Yeah. I, you know, I call it like I see. We didn't score a whole lot and unfortunately the other team did. Yeah. So we're going to do better this it's, season. It's all, it's all part of fun. Yes. Uh I think we hit, every week I walked away having fun. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it, it seems like we've no. It seems like we've kind of bolstered our our roster. Uh, one of the things we ran into last year is a lot of times we didn't have enough guys to play. Yeah, I mean we were having to pull dudes from other teams. So hoping that you know we, now we've got multiple guys on the roster, maybe we can uh, not have to fool with that. We're gonna miss a couple of people tomorrow already. Oh yeah, I'm sure um, that uh, that have said they've got conflicts. Sure. So we'll have to work around Daniel, that. But we're talking to you. Yes, a couple of people. Uh, Brock's not going to be available tomorrow. Oh, our home run hitter's yeah, not available. Yeah, our home tomorrow? run hitter's not available tomorrow. Uh, so goodness. Yeah, Wilson's not going to be available Wilson. tomorrow. Noah's out of town. I mean, we we've uh, we're a little we'll depleted right. right now. We'll be all right. But we'll we'll make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. Uh, Trevon is TBD. Game time decision. Game time decision. Um, so we, we, what about uh, Sam? I saw Sammy still on the roster. Yep, yeah, Sammy is also a game time yeah. decision. Van and okay. I, Van and I talked to him at the gym the other day. So yeah, he's 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 one he wants to play. Yeah, yeah. he wants to play. It's just going to so. depend on whether or not his work schedule allows. Oh, yeah. said week by week. So anyway, Thunder Chickens get started tomorrow. We're going to the ninth inning. Auburn baseball has a six to two lead over Stanford right now. A really impressive performance from the Tigers. Blake Rambush at the top for Auburn led the SEC in hits this season. That's so. Let's. I mean, it's the SEC, yeah, the best conference in baseball. And Blake Rambush had more hits than anybody yeah. in the entire conference. He has really struggled this postseason. Yeah, really struggled. But boy, he stepped up today. He he's had his last two plate appearances. He's had singles, and. and that broke a an O for eighteen. He was O for his last eighteen, uh, and then uh, several innings ago, he he was able to get a hit, and then uh, last inning uh, was able to get a hit. So he's two for his last two after going O for eighteen. So you really, really got to get that production from your leadoff spot with Blake Rambush, and especially a guy that led the SEC like you mentioned. Right for your leadoff guy like that to go O for eighteen, but now. That's a big also credit to uh, Coach Butch Thompson to know that he was going to be able to break out of that and yeah. and not to hit the panic button and try to make a lineup switch or something because it would be easy to do that especially in the postseason if the guy's just struggling at the plate if yep. he, if he's just not getting it done and I mean for o, o for eighteen is definitely not getting it done in your leadoff spot but uh, Butch Thompson stayed the course with him and now you hope that he's kind of figured it out and get that bat going and you definitely want that up ahead of uh, of Sonny Deshara. Uh, when you when you got a guy like Sonny Deshara this year, you got to be able to get the production in front of him to give him right. the chance to do something big. Your phone calls are welcome to talk about Auburn baseball and everything around the world of Auburn athletics right now. 334-887-3401. Talking about the batted ball sports. Auburn got some exciting news over the weekend. Aspen Godwin announced that she's going to return for her fifth season, her COVID year, with the Auburn softball team. She was third on the team this past season, and number of home runs hit 
in Auburn's softball offense that was much improved uh, from seasons prior. So Godwin from Silver Hill, Alabama, she's got a powerful bat in the lineup. She's going to be back for Auburn. And then, as the transfer portal continues to be a thing, Auburn football gets a commit, Brant, over the weekend. They're adding depth to their edge room on the defensive side of the football. Somebody from Western Kentucky. Yeah. Marcus Bragg. Marcus Bragg. Is his name. Tell us about him. Big edge kid from Kentucky. uh, Western Kentucky, I should say. Uh, Not the kind of guy that you're going to expect to come in and be a real game changer, but yeah. the fact is you had three scholarship edge guys, so you needed another warm body in there that you thought could come in and get the job done. Marcus Bragg is not going to blow anybody away, but he is a guy that can come in and spell Eculiota and Derek Hall and you know can push Dylan Brooks a little bit. We'll see which one of them gets more snaps next season. That'll be one of the more interesting things to follow, but Bragg is, is not coming in here to be a, a real game changer. He is a depth piece. He is a, he is a yes. mercenary. He's a a one-year rental. He's got one year of eligibility remaining, so uh, he's going to come in. He's going to try to make an impact where he can, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, he can help Auburn out a little bit. Bragg was listed on the Western Kentucky roster at six foot four, two sixty. That's a big, a big, big edge. A, uh, wow. a hometown of North Miami, Florida. Bragg started his post high school career by playing at Mississippi Delta Community College. Everyone's very familiar with Last yeah. Chance U. This yeah. is not Last Chance U. It's one of their big <laughs> rivals. Yep. Yeah. East Mississippi Community College was Last Chance U, EMCC. and Mississippi Delta was one of their rivals. That's where Marcus Bragg started his career off. But, we uh, love the JUCOs. Yes. We love the JUCOs. Last season, 26 tackles, a couple of tackles for loss, a couple of sacks on the year as well. And again, you're just looking for a way to add depth yeah. to that room. You've you already needed- got Derek Hall and Leota, as you said, Dylan Brooks coming along, and, and now here's another body. Yeah, and there's another guy that uh, it seems like Auburn might be pushing him that way. Uh, over the weekend, Auburn position coaches had their groups, or this is the time of year where position coaches will have their position groups over to their house. They'll cook them meals. They'll do. They'll take pictures, stuff like that. Team camaraderie. Jo- yes. Joko Willis was actually with the edge group over the weekend. So he was at a – I think – I can't remember Ooh. who that who that coach is, but uh, he, he was with the edges, not the inside linebackers. So uh, it, it looks as though he is going to be moved to edge as well. So now you've got some more bodies over there. Uh, again, th- these are guys that you're not expecting them to be incredibly impactful right off rip. Uh, with Marcus Bragg – I don't know how many snaps he gets this season, I'll be honest, but uh, he's the type of guy, he is experienced, he played a ton at Western Kentucky last year, um, he, he could very well uh, be a contributor. We'll see, I mean, he's, yeah. he's getting the opportunity, yeah. he's yeah. a big jump from Mississippi Delta to, to Western SEC. Kentucky yeah. Yeah. to the, Auburn, to I mean, SEC, you're continuing yeah, to climb big. up. Yeah. Uh, exciting for him to get this opportunity, but now you just got to go out on the field and be able to perform. Yeah, yeah, definitely... Um just we just want to see, like Brent said, you know, he's he's a depth piece. That's what we need. We did. We're not expecting him to come in and have this big, huge impact. We just want him to kind of be able to give the guys that are going to be our big impact guys, give them some breathers, give yeah. them an opportunity just to. to as rest much as them. you would love to have Derek Hall and Eculiota out there for eighty snaps right. a game, in, that's impossible. Right? They're they're they'll be ineffective if they're being used and run to the ground like that. So you know, I think that's a good pickup for Harson. Um, to to kind of add that that depth piece in, in Marcus Bragg and you know like like you know like we said just we'll see what he can do yeah. um, you know like he's he's got some playing time got some good experience you know that that jump from Western Kentucky to the SEC is going to be big um, 
so we'll see if he's up to the task. Um, that's all you can really see out of him um, until we actually see him on the field. Rock Bell and Tony, the coach we were yes. looking for yes. uh, there with Auburn football as we're continuing to count down the days for the college football season to be here. And, I mean, here we are. It's, it's what, June 20th? This weekend on Saturday was the 18th, and we're still getting transfer portal news. I mean, yeah. um, we talked about it with Bill Bender on Friday's show. If you missed that, go back and find it on our Sports Call podcast. Really great conversation with him about some of the coaches and the changes that we're seeing across the sport. We had a fun conversation about the coaching rankings and yeah. spent a lot of time on Cristobal and um, Gundy, right? Mike, Mike Gundy, Gundy is, yeah. Is who we spent I, I have an opinion about. on Mike Gundy that uh, – Ryan and Brooks do not see Cody eye to eye with, but I think we came to a consensus. And it was great. Go back and listen to all of that on our Sports Call podcast. College football is right around the corner, and we're going to have plenty of college football discussion in the days and weeks to come. We've got to take a commercial break. Sports Call continues here in a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, and Brant Daughtry. Auburn continuing to lead 6-2 over Stanford. Much better feeling than it looked like it was going to be, right? At the start of the game, Auburn falls behind 2-0. Trace Bright was great for the Tigers, but through the first five innings today, Auburn just could not get the offense going, and that was a problem they had against Ole Miss as well. If you missed any of the ball game over the weekend, Auburn lost to the Rebels by a score of 5-1. to one. Yeah, 5-1 uh, to one in uh, uh, Delucia. Uh, that was, Correct. Yeah. Dylan Delucia. Dylan. Delucia. Dealing delusion. <laughs> that's the thing. He was out. He was. If a writer did not make that a headline, they're missing uh, out dealing on an opportunity. God, yeah, I could. I could do this. <laughs> I could do it. He he was he was absolutely phenomenal. But Auburn blew so many chances in that yeah. game. Uh, I mean, just leaving guys in scoring position, uh, just not good, and, and a lot of just not good at bats. Uh, I understand he was pitching a phenomenal game, but you still got to be able to do something, and Auburn just wasn't. And then this game against Stanford started out the same way. I mean, you're down 2 nothing, getting to the, the middle part of that game until they were finally able to start breaking through with some with some timely hits and, uh, you know, boasted up that 6-2 to two lead. Yeah. So um, three outs away for Auburn. Uh, you know, Auburn's currently batting right now with a runner on second and two outs, but uh, – We'll see what happens. But right now, Auburn's three outs away. Um, you got Burkhalter still out there, and he's been dealing, dealing Burkhalter. But, uh, yeah, just get it done and move on to the next. That's that's what you're hoping to do. Survive in advance. And you know you'll be playing an SEC team. Right. Exactly. If you're Auburn, you know that you're going to play a team that you've seen before. Yeah. You could be playing Ole Miss again. Right. Ole Miss and Arkansas will play tonight. Let's talk about that matchup for a quick moment. Oof. Arkansas beat Stanford seventeen to two. Dude, 
I'll say that again. Arkansas beat Stanford seventeen to two. Right. And I think and then Ole Miss beat Auburn five to one. They play one another tonight at six. The loser plays Auburn tomorrow. Yeah. So I I mentioned it earlier, and to me, it just seems like this has a a chance to be one of those. one way or the other, I think this is one of those you could either have fireworks, and I think if that that goes into the uh, that that favors Arkansas, yeah, right, because they just seem like right now that their bats are just on a torrid pace. They're, they are just crushing the baseball. Um, that started in their regional play, super regional play, and now uh, one game into the World Series, they're just killing the ball. Ole Miss has just been getting it done on the mound. We yeah. mentioned in the super regional, they had back to back shutouts in the super regional. If it's a pitching battle, that definitely yeah. favors. And, and then, and then a pitching battle uh, against Auburn, where they just had a, an outstanding performance. So, uh, I don't know how that one's going to shake out. Uh, if if Ole Miss is pitching and defense is able to keep doing what they're doing and keep the Arkansas bats at bay, but man, the way Arkansas is hitting the ball, I mean, it could turn into right. a it could turn into a, a hit fest. fest so. Yeah. We'll find out a little bit later tonight as we go to the bottom of the ninth inning. Say, yeah. Auburn's got a six-two lead. What we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout, and then when we come back, we're going to join the broadcast live. You're going to be able to listen to the final three outs. Auburn trying to pick up a victory today over Stanford. You're listening to Sports Call, WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. We hope you enjoyed that. Getting a chance to listen to the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, alongside Brad Law. As Andy pointed out in the history of the College World Series, I mean, the guy nails his final calls, and let me give you further proof to that, talking about our good friend Andy Burcham. In the history of the College World Series, Stanford had never lost to the Auburn Tigers before. The Cardinal were 4-0 all-time against Auburn. They now have a blemish on their record as Auburn wins by a score of 6-2. to two. Just the fourth win ever for Auburn in Omaha in the College World Series, but they live to see another day. They down Stanford again by a score of 6-2. to two. And guys, feels good to be back in the win column and know that the season will go on for at least another 24 hours or so. War yeah. damn. War, war eagle, man. I, I, the thing is, you, you just have to tip your hat to that Auburn bullpen. The bats got enough going uh, – in, in the two innings to get the six runs, not a whole lot else to speak of offensive-wise. But for Tommy Sheehan to come in and pitch as well as he did uh, in relief, but then Blake Burkhalter right there through those last few innings, he comes into a bases-loaded jam, gets a strikeout. Yeah. And then we were we left the studio and we were over here watching the ESPN broadcast of the final inning. And the announcers were talking about how much money Burkhalter was making uh, – uh, yeah. Just with his appearances, yeah. I don't mean making currently, but like how 
much he will have like jumped out to uh, to the scouts for the way he's pitching. Burkhalter just disgustingly good. I mean, it it was ridiculous. He has a cutter that is just impossible. So, uh, I also don't want to give up or forget about um, uh, Trace Bright. Great start. Um, great start from Trace. He, so great. I mean, yes. he he was he was phenomenal too. But that Auburn bullpen in, in in particular, that Auburn bullpen has just been outstanding. And today. Just a phenomenal job by the bullpen. They did what it took. They shut the door. They found a way to get the win. Just all around big time performance from Auburn baseball. We got a couple of phone calls. A couple of people called in as soon as the game went final. So let's get through these phone calls. 334-887-3401. Honored to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our good friend. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us. We hope that you had a great and peaceful Father's Day holiday yesterday, Steve. And we certainly do appreciate you calling into the program today. Hello, friend. Ward Dam Eagle, guys. Ward Dam Eagle. I'm getting some radio show right now. How about we change that for you? You were getting the post-game coverage there for Auburn Uh, baseball. Oh, my God. I had had to stand up for the last one with my daughter. (laughs) Uh, You know what other records we broke? Tell me. Stanford, all-time in the College World Series, has never lost two in a row. uh, They've never gone 0-2. 18 times in the College World Series. That's crazy. And they've never gone 0-2 until today. Right, and their starting pitcher for today was six and zero. Yeah, yep, he was. He was one of their, and then one of their relievers that came in was one of their best pitchers, and Auburn handled right. him. I think he he's only lost three games. Yep, yeah, Auburn so, took care of business against a really good we, team. We took care of business, but now, guys, I gotta ask you: for tomorrow night, who would you want to be our starting pitcher? Is it Barnett or someone else? Got to be Barnett. Uh, yeah, Barnett. Yeah, you, Can't you switch go, it up. Yeah, you got to go with Barnett. Okay. Will it be Evil Barnett or Good Barnett? Hopefully Good Barnett. Yeah. Because I've seen Evil Barnett. Don't ask us what the plan will be on Wednesday if Auburn keeps winning because we have <laughs> no idea who that starting pitcher would be in that scenario. But, yeah, Barnett's got to get the baseball tomorrow for the Tigers. Well, I saw, but I didn't see all, I saw there's only four teams, you know that, guys, that have ever made it all the way to win the championship that uh, lost the first round. And those teams were surprisingly – South Carolina was one of them. Right. Who are the other uh, three? I don't know. I have no idea. Just because it has not happened very often. Okay, I just know uh, they they briefly showed uh, the teams that I I saw South Carolina. I said, wow, I didn't know they were that good. Uh, But that's – I I, got to admit, I'll be candid. I had almost given up hope when it was two to nothing, and we couldn't get a hit to to, to save our lives, right? Yeah. It it was not looking good down two to nothing, and – for the second game in a row, you had Auburn offense just was really struggling to figure out anything at the plate. But uh, then you start piecing some things together here and there, and, and you take advantage of a walk. You take advantage of a hit by a pitch. And, and next thing you know, good things happen. And Cole yeah, Foster, man. you get Cole the base, get the bases loaded. Cole Foster, he hits a basic a basic clearing double. And, I mean, he, didn't, he missed a grand slam by yeah. inches. I, I mean, it hit the wall up near the top of the wall. So, I mean, he, he was just inches from a grand slam right there. And then I, I got to ask you guys, do you have any clue of what has happened to Sonny D? I mean, he's just gone cold. I mean, he's striking out and striking out. Uh, he's still getting on base. Um, there's some guys that are struggling. Blake Rambush led the SEC in hits this year, and he was and 0 for finally. he was 0 for 18, and then finally uh, went uh, 2 for 2 uh, after an 0 for 18 streak. So uh, 
you know, I don't know. I, I don't have that answer with DeShera. I mean, he's still getting on base. Uh, but you also have to remember, he struggled through the entire month of May. I, I, I mean, the May, we've, we've, we've talked about our monthly predictions right. and how we, we had no idea that Sonny would struggle as bad as he did in the month of May. But he's still a dangerous player, and, and uh, other teams know that. And so they, they're having to do some different things as, as far as dealing with him. So they can't just treat him like a regular guy, even when he's struggling. Well, I thought he had a really good eye, but today, uh, the last at bat, he swung at a, at a ball that was high. I said, "Come on, Sonny, what's going on with you?" Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're struggling like that, you do you do start pressing to try to do some things, yeah, but start kind of guessing. Yeah, too. I mean, you you start guessing, but I, you know, high pitches. Some of those are the hardest to lay off of. Uh, I mean, they look like a grapefruit when they're coming at you, and it looks like you can hit it a mile. And when you're a guy like him that likes to hit it a mile, that that's tempting, and uh, and it's kind of a, uh, I guess that's the forbidden fruit that he's not able to lay off of that high fastball. Okay, and finally, uh, guys, uh, for relief pitching, uh, do you think uh, Burkhalter did enough to, to not wear himself out today? Uh, I'll be shocked if Blake Burkhalter yeah. pitches tomorrow. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think. I mean, forget tomorrow. What about if we make it through tomorrow? Yeah, I think oh, yeah. he has I think, to throw again if yeah. Auburn wants to win a national yeah. championship. Yeah, if, if yeah. you're going to – if I, I think you give him one day off at most. And, I mean, if you – if you have a, a, a tight one coming, if you're tight in the ninth inning, but you've got a lead, he may come on and close tomorrow, but I would doubt that. Okay, so closes tomorrow might be Skipper? Carson did not throw today. That's a, that's yeah. a good one right there. That's a big arm for Auburn to be able to go to, yes. Who else? Who else if he, if he can't, you know, uh, survive? Uh, Isbell, Alsup have um, been some of those arms that Auburn's Armstrong. been going to. Armstrong's been another name to be on the lookout for as well. They've got a couple of guys that you could see. All right, we play the loser of the A and M of the uh, Arkansas Ole Miss game, right, guys? Correct. Correct. Okay, I know you guys made a license, but you know what? I want a revenge game against damn Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if Auburn beat Ole Miss tomorrow, the Ole Miss's season would be over, and Auburn would right. live to see another day. If if not, then uh, they'd have to beat Arkansas, and then Auburn would have to beat Ole Miss twice. Auburn, if they want to move on to the national championship series, Auburn will have to will they'll have to beat one of these teams twice. They will have to win every game, but they'll also have to beat either Arkansas twice or Ole Miss twice, and that will depend on who wins tonight's game. Well, who would you – I mean, I personally, because I can't stand Ole Miss, and they're hotty totty crap, I'd like to you know, beat them uh, – if they lose tonight, uh, I'd like to beat them uh, tomorrow. But who do you think we probably have a better chance of beating? Should we want Ole Miss again tomorrow night? Arkansas has been the more consistent Arkansas. team all season. Arkansas mm-hmm. looked really damn dominant, winning seventeen to two against yeah. Stanford uh, earlier this uh, or earlier this weekend on Saturday. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see yeah. what that matchup Aul- looks like. Auburn took Auburn took one of two against Arkansas. Was it was it one of two? Yeah. yeah, it was one of two against Arkansas and one of two against Ole Miss. Okay, so so I mean we we've won we've been able to beat those two teams, but we've also lost two to them. Arkansas won two out of three against Ole Miss in the regular season. They okay. won the regular season series. Okay, guys, that's all I got. All right, Thanks good to hear from you, Steve. Uh, I'm having to uh, go back to uh, my serious man for tomorrow night's game, yeah. but uh, until then, talk uh, to you tomorrow. Till. What, uh, to infinity and beyond, because I'm going to go see uh, Buzz Lightyear tomorrow with my daughter. So, Tell us how it is. Uh, 
So until then, guys, War Damn Eagles. Talk to you tomorrow. War Eagle. That's our buddy retired War Damn Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. I, I like this little stat that Ryan McGee, our guy Ryan McGee, put up here. I'm um, talking about the top national seeds. Number one seed, Tennessee, did not make it to Omaha. Number two seed, Stanford, just went 0 for 2 for the first time in 18 appearances. Number three seed, Oregon State, did not make it to uh, Omaha. Number four seed, Virginia Tech, did not make it to Omaha. So that just tells you how just crazy the game of baseball in this whole tournament is. Sonny Deshera has reached safely in 58 of 60 games this season for Auburn. While wow. he might be striking out a little bit, he he's finding base. a way to get on base from time to there. time. He's got a better on-base percentage than Frank Thomas. Though. Let's uh, yeah, yeah let's let's go get a phone call. 887-3401. Joining us now, Matt from Tallahassee. All right, Matt has called into the program. Hi, Matt. War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. <laughs> we got the win. We beat Stanford. Man, War Eagle, guys. Yeah, big, big win over Stanford. Yeah, Ole Miss got lucky last night. Hopefully we uh, get a chance to play Ole Miss again tomorrow. Uh, or Arkansas, yeah. whoever it might be. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm going to work off. Okay. <laughs> My mom said that yeah, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Ole, Miss, Ole Miss got lucky last night, though. They won. They won. They they didn't cheat. They just they won. They had a great pitching performance from Delusia. Just because they won doesn't mean they cheated. And uh, we got to tip our cap to them. But hey, well, I want to give the message to Wardown Steve. Wardown Steve, happy late holiday to you, War Eagle. Very kind. Very polite, Matt. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna do some trivia, but uh, first I want to ask you guys about some like uh, football uh, Auburn's record this year. Okay. No trivia today, so ask us these questions. Well, uh, I was looking on my computer last night about predictions, and one said Auburn goes six and six, and the other one said wins and losses five and seven. What do you guys think about that? And then the other question is, what do you think about the player we got from Western Kentucky, football player? Yeah, we talked about Marcus Bragg a little bit earlier. He transfers in on the edge, and, and then Tom, we, as Matt just said, he saw a prediction where Auburn goes six and six this season, and then saw one where they go five and seven. Yeah, predictions are predictions, is where I'm it, looking. It at. is, and, and and unfortunately for Auburn, just because so many teams have been doing great in recruiting and had good years last year, uh, Auburn's predictions are going to be about that. You're going to see a lot of. Six wins, five wins. You're probably going to even see some that might have four wins. So uh, the expectations are not going to be big for Auburn football, but that's a lot of times where Auburn succeeds is when everybody has them down and out. That's when they end up winning national championships. Not, not that that's necessarily going to happen this year, but they seem to thrive when, when nobody's looking at them. Well, hey, Tom, I saw, I saw Georgia's uh, prediction. They'll go lose only one, one, one loss. Yeah, yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of people picking Georgia to repeat as a national champion. You're gonna have a lot of people picking Alabama to win the championship. So, um, so, 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 who won between Texas A&M and Texas? Uh, Texas A&M beat Texas and eliminated the Longhorns. Okay, so Texas is out. Yep, Texas is out. Okay, so. Uh, the question I was going to ask you, Ward and Steve said, who rather you guys play, Ole Miss or Arkansas? Right. 
I would want to play Arkansas um, because I think that would be better for us, and we can not we can like like beat Arkansas and then play them again and beat them again, and then probably um, who you. Who else do you think we could play if we beat Arkansas twice? Well, then uh, if we beat Arkansas twice, that means Auburn would have beat Ole Miss first and then beat Arkansas twice to move on to the championship series. And then Auburn is either playing Texas A&M, Oklahoma, or Notre Dame for a championship. So if Auburn made a championship game, who would you guys uh, rather play, Oklahoma or Texas A&M? Uh, Auburn's played Texas A&M this year, and they, they took a series against the Aggies, two out of one. Uh, Oklahoma was not, or two out of three, excuse me, two games to one was the series number. Oklahoma uh, did not have a series with the Auburn Tigers. They just had that one game matchup, so, uh, and Oklahoma was not a national seed. So uh, just from those stats alone, I think Oklahoma would be the more um, favorable opponent for Auburn in a national championship series. Uh, so uh, another thing is, I saw that NBA uh, draft is Thursday. Thursday, yep. So is Devon um, Smith is he still, Jabari? Jabari Smith is he still the number one drafted to go to Parkville or Orlando? Possibly. It's either going to be the Orlando Magic at one, or the Thunder at two, or the Houston Rockets at three. There has been a lot of betting momentum today for Paulo Banquero from Duke to go number one. So uh, also Chet Holmgren's in the mix as well. So uh, it's probably going to be something we find out on Thursday. We're all going to be watching with uh, with eagerness to see who is well, the number one overall pick. Who else is with you guys? I've got Tom and Brant and Cam. Hey, Brant. Hey, Cam. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? So, hey, so Brant, Cam, and Tom, this question's for you. Last question. What- what ra- what round do you see Kessler going into? Uh, he's he's a first round guy. Yeah, uh, late, late, it's first round. late first yeah. round. Yeah, so, somewhere between fifteen and and thirty, I think would be, would be where where Kessler falls. But uh, if I had to narrow it, I'd say somewhere in the mid twenties. Yeah, um, I agree. So yeah, he'll 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 go to a good team that does not need depth, but can develop him. He'll go to the G League for a year or two, and uh, should be a contributor after that. I think that's it'll what be, he'll do. It'll be exciting to see him. Um, at the next level, though, because I, 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 you say, Brant, you know, he might go to the G League for a year, year to right. develop. I, I mean, I could so see him as an instant contributor. Do you still see the Texas A&M quarterback as our starter, or do you guys choose to Finley? Uh, I, I think it's going to be Zach Calzada. I agree. I, I think it's going to be Calzada or Ashford. So uh, and if I if I were a betting man, I'd put money on Calzada right now. So who do you have the backup and third string? I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. Uh, I, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, it's, it, Calzada's going to be your starter. I would think Ashford's probably going to be your second string. I agree. And, and then uh, Finley's going to be your uh, third. third. And, and then you'll probably odd man out. And I think redshirt. Your redshirt. Garner. 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 Or about Hunter? Is he still hurt? Jarquez Hunter. Uh, he is back participating. He's full speed. He that was just a a little cleanup surgery they did on him, and he's back. We still need we still need an offensive line still, right? Yeah, you, can, you always need yeah, an offensive always. line, but I think I think everybody who is going to play for Auburn this season is on campus right now. 
Matt, it was good to hear from you, buddy. We got to get you out of here. So we're going to go out with the cheer. So, guys, here we go. Count down with me. Five, Five four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. Hey. Bama 48, 45, 63, 13. Booyah! Bama, Georgia, we're coming to your field, and we're going to knock you guys out. I love it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right. See you, A-Cam. Yep. French. Keep talking straight. Always. Always. We got it. All right. That's Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the program. Always good to catch up with him. That brings the second hour of our show to a close. On the other side, the final hour of Sports Call. One hour left alongside Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. It's our third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Kim Barry. We hope that everyone is doing well. Had a good weekend with friends and family. A happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Uh, we appreciated our fathers. Uh, we're able to give them some shout-outs on Friday's show. And then folks that weren't on Friday's show gave big Father's Day shout-outs a little bit earlier on today's program. If you missed any of our show, you can always go back and listen on our Sports Call podcast. Before we move forward with anything, let's give you a daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Yeah, our Daily Show Recap here today on this Monday, June 20th, 2022. Still to come in today's program. We'll have our best and worst of the weekend. It is a Monday after all. So what was the best? What was the worst thing that you saw over the weekend? We'll discuss that here in just a little bit. But what we've discussed for the most part on today's show is Auburn baseball as they're heading to the next round of the College World Series. They have officially uh, defeated Stanford. They've eliminated the Cardinal from being a part of this competition. Auburn has now brought three Pac-12 schools' seasons to a close. When you think about Stanford, Oregon State, and UCLA, all three schools had their seasons ended by Auburn. And now, Brant, big win for Auburn. They win 6-2 to two today over Stanford. Big win. Auburn continues to dominate the Pac-12, making, it, making my point known that if they were any other conference in America... Uh, they would be absolutely dominant. Unfortunately, you were right next to Alabama and Georgia. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, big big win for Auburn baseball. Um, uh, just a, you know, it's you once once you get to Omaha, it's just do the darn thing. You know, all you yeah, can man. do is just win. There, all, all of your real game planning just kind of goes out the window. Just go out there, get clutch hits, and get clutch pit, pitching. And Auburn did that today and uh, got the win over the over the what are they? The trees, the cardinal, the cardinal, the cardinal, but the trees. The one thing I, you know, whenever we do this uh, little intro into the daily show recap you know that, that really jumped up a notch you know that got a handle yeah, quickly yeah. for stanford that would be the case in the sixth and the seventh innings i mean you're cruising along with a two nothing lead and all of a sudden auburn scores four in the sixth two in the seventh and suddenly if you're stanford you're like oh wow what just happened here so and then blake burkhalter comes in and just absolutely owns stanford so Huge win, first win for Auburn in the World Series since 1997. Uh, survive in advance, and that's what you have to do right now um, after you drop that first game, survive in advance. And we could sit here, we, we had the phone calls, and we could predict, you know, who would Auburn rather face. and all, I, It doesn't matter. You're going to have to you, play both of them anyway. You, you're going to have to play somebody. The fact is Auburn is still alive. We'll see what happens tonight, uh, whether it's going to be Arkansas or Ole Miss. But either way, you're going to have to face one of them, yeah. and you're going to have to win two. So, but you're in the position, and that's all you can ask for. Survive in advance, keep it going, live to see another day. I don't know what other cliches I could throw out there, but Auburn did what they needed to do. And again, as we talked about earlier today in the pregame conversation, Butch Thompson let Andy Burcham know uh, he put it all out there on the table. He held nothing back. He was very forthcoming. But, Tom, this Auburn team the past 24 hours had, quote, seven or eight players on the toilet the entire time. We uh, saw Blake Rambush incredibly dehydrated, had a big stomach bug. He left the game in the fifth inning on Saturday against Ole Miss. This Auburn team, seven or eight players really feel crappy. They, they don't feel good at all. And they and, they had to keep battling. They couldn't use it as an excuse, and Auburn no. picks up a win. And, and apparently one of those that has been battling the stomach bug has been Cole Foster, and Cole Foster comes comes through with undoubtedly the, best, the, the most important hit of Auburn's postseason Easy. run right now. When you're down two nothing, you got the bases loaded, and and he clears the bases uh, with a double that missed a missed a grand slam by inches, and he's one of those that has been dealing uh, majorly with this bug, and and the thing is, what makes it worse, it's hot out there in Omaha right now. They that's one thing they they have talked about is how hot and just dreadfully hot it is out there. Heat index over a hundred degrees for anybody that has ever dealt with any sort of an illness, whether it be a stomach bug, whether it be a flu, whether it be a sinus infection, it absolutely sucks to be outside in heat like that, and especially trying to run around in it. It, just, it, it zaps the energy out of you so quick. So the fact that these guys that have not been feeling well are still out there performing at a high level in that type of heat, Props to them. Big time. I mean, all you can do is tip your hat to them for, for just sucking it up and fighting through. Because, as we mentioned, the, the show must go on. Whether you're sick or not, the game's still going to be played. So you got to get out there and suck it up and deal with deal with some of the – they would say embrace the suck. Uh, that would be the best thing is, yes, this is not going to be fun, but embrace it. It's part of it. It's part of part of life. It's part of life being in sports and on a, on a big stage in sports is – Sometimes you have to battle through stuff. Um, everybody talks about Michael Jordan. Yeah, the flu game. I was and, wondering if we'd bring that up, but here yeah. we are. Yeah, it's it's true though. It, but and, and Jordan is probably the most famous of that. But I mean, there's been plenty of other guys that have battled through injuries, battled through sickness. 
last week we had Danny Skutak on the show, former Auburn uh, linebacker from back in the 80s, and we discussed a game that he played in 1979 where he broke his leg in the first quarter of that game and refused to come out and still ended up leading the team in tackles on a broken leg. So, yeah, you just fight through it. So, I mean, yeah. things happen sometimes, and you just fight through it. And right now that's what Auburn's doing. So, big, 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 big uh, props to it's Auburn. It's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. uh, what, what this team's been able to do this season. Picked to finish last in the SEC West, and now yep. uh, they're one of four SEC West teams that are at Omaha in the College World Series with a chance to win. I saw Peter Burns of the SEC Network and ESPN. Peter Burns has been on our program a number of times over the years. He pointed out on Twitter, at Peter Burns ESPN, he pointed out that 13 of the last 14 national championship series in college baseball have featured an SEC school, and we are now guaranteed once again that that will be the case this year. 13 of the last 14 seasons have featured at least one SEC team competing for the national title in college baseball. It's not only a football crazy conference. It just means more. It just means more, and baseball is dominated in the SEC as well. So uh, that's further proof to that. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on today's program. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls and talk about other things right now in the world of sports. Coming up next here on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Back on the program, you're listening to Sports Call, WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line, Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC. All right, uh, what we want to do right now, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get into a bit of a college football mode. On Friday, Bill Bender from Sporting News joined our show. You can go back and listen to that conversation on our Sports Call podcast wherever you find your podcast. And Brant, in our conversation yes. with Bill Bender, what were some of the talking points there? Uh, I, he talked about like a lot of the new coaches, right? There's a lot of new coaches in, in college football. And, uh, you know, the, the one that I keep going back to is Brian Kelly at LSU. You know, I'm super interested to see uh, how, how good is he? How much does uh, how much does LSU improve under him in, in year one? And, uh, you know, it, it, how... What, what can he do? Um, we also talked a lot about uh, who's on the hot seat right now. Scott Frost at uh, Nebraska being the guy that comes to mind as the guy who was most on the hot seat. Yeah. He needs a big season. He proved last year that he could compete with a lot of teams. They were close in the fourth quarter with some really, really good teams, but they couldn't ever pull it out. So do they take that leap this year, or do they at least take a little bit of the leap? So there's a lot going on, a whole lot of storylines in college football this season to pay attention to, uh, whether you're an Auburn fan or otherwise. We talked a lot about one of his stories that he put out that he does annually every single year. 
Bill Bender, the reason he's so good, the reason he's got thousands and thousands of Twitter followers with the sporting news and is one of the leading voices in college football, the reason that whenever Bill Bender and Paul Feinbaum are having a conversation together, the ratings go through the roof, is because he's willing to do projects like this. He recently ranked all FBS head coaches from number one to number 131, the worst coach in FBS college football this season. He's projecting it to be Ken Wilson at Nevada at number 131 and Don Brown at UMass at number 130. Shout out to those guys. What we did not discuss, however, were his SEC coach rankings. We talked specifically about where some head coaches were. Brian Harson, number 39 in all of college football. What does that mean for Harson in the grand scheme of things in the SEC? Well, to no one's surprise, we did our top 25 discussion. Seven SEC coaches were in the top 25 of the entire sport. Saban, number one. Kirby Smart, number three. Brian Kelly, number six. Jimbo Fisher, number eight. Mark Stoops, number 14. Lane Kiffin, number 16. Sam Pittman, number 25. Those guys are in order, the top seven. Do you guys agree with that top seven of head coaches in the SEC for this upcoming season? Uh, Are those the seven best coaches in the SEC in your minds? Saban, Smart, Kelly, Kelly, Fisher, Stoops, Kiffin, Pittman. It doesn't shock me that Brian Kelly is up that high, but it it is interesting that he hasn't he hasn't coached a game at LSU yet, and they're ready to put him on that pedestal. Now, I think Brian Kelly's a really good coach. I think he's going to end up been to multiple playoffs at Notre Dame. Yeah, very good football coach. Very good football coach, but he has not proven he can do it there. So that. It's interesting to me that he's gone that high, but uh, you know, I, Mark Stoops at five is interesting to me just because I, I understand he's made Kentucky football somewhat respectable, and that yeah. in itself is really impressive. But I I don't know if that's worthy of uh, number fourteen overall. I just look at the list. I think I would have put Link Kiffin at least a little bit higher on that list than um, yeah sixth in the SEC, sixteenth overall. I feel like Link Kiffin should be higher. Uh, I'd probably put Jimbo at third best, you know, really over Brian Kelly. Yeah. I, I, obviously, Brian Kelly, they're going off of the success at Notre Dame yeah. with him. So, I mean, yeah. I kind of get that. I mean, it, your, your ranking coach is not by what they've done in the SEC. Yeah. They just happen to be right, in the right, SEC. Right, right, right. So, but if you're ranking the top head coaches in FBS, then Brian Kelly should be up there as one of the top coaches because he has had the yeah, success at Notre Dame. Success. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of get that. The, the one that kind of jumps out at me, it, it, Sam Pittman, um, seventh best in the SEC, 25th overall. So Sam Pittman, Arkansas, is, is in the top 25 of the nation. I, I don't know that I'd buy that. Um, me I, I'm not. I'm not 100% sold on him, and but they are doing some. He is a good, and he is a good coach. He is, and he's he's a team guy. He's a, he's a guy that that team seems to rally around. Right. But, you know, I, I maybe I'm just not sold on Arkansas – being very successful just because it's Arkansas and yeah. they typically don't. But now he has he has done a pretty they've darn good a really job, good job at been, Arkansas. They've been okay. It's they've really been okay. just and we he's, can see if they can he's also, some continuity. He's, he's done a really good job of recruiting to an area right. that yeah. doesn't normally do that. So, Bender's logic yeah, I mean, in his story here for Sporting News, and then we'll get more comments from you guys. Also, by the way, the largest jump of any SEC coach was Sam Pittman. For example, Brian Harson, we mentioned it on Friday. He's number 39. We're not going to reveal where he ranks in SEC coaches until just a moment. Harson a season ago was number 35 in the sport, so he actually fell back four spots. Right. Last season, Sam Pittman was number 56 
in Bender's rankings. He jumped up 31 spots, and here's why. The three seasons prior to Sam Pittman taking over for Arkansas football, they were a combined 1-23. and They were terrible. 1-23 and in SEC play in the three seasons before his arrival, as now he's got a 12-11 and record at Arkansas in two seasons there. He's making the Razorbacks an SEC West contender. Yeah. They've got K.J. Jefferson coming back at quarterback. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of hype for Sam Pittman. He is one hell of a football coach. Yeah, they're not terrible. No, they, they're they're, not, a, they're no. not an automatic win on anybody's record. Uh, they're not an automatic win on anybody's schedule at this point, and that is a drastic improvement over what he took over. So I'm a big Sam Pittman fan. I I, I believe in Sam Pittman. I don't know if he's going to take Arkansas to an SEC championship game, but I think he has he has made Arkansas good at football again uh, when they weren't for a couple of years. So I have no problem with him being ranked that highly. I, All right, my I guess my only thing, I, I just I think maybe too high. Um, man, I, I it, it's hard to say that Josh Heupel is better than that. But man, when you look at see what. Ten, out where Tennessee has like really turned the corner from yeah, right. where they had been for, uh, from uh, also not terrible, not an automatic right. win to a to a decent respectable, respectable team yeah. at this point. But but then but then on top of that, you look at what Tennessee's bringing in recruiting wise. I mean, yeah. they've, they've got a quarterback coming in there that uh, is supposed to be like they can't miss dude, like a dude that would normally go to like Georgia, Alabama, or somewhere is going to Tennessee. Uh, and Hendon about, Hooker is really good. He had a great is, season yeah. last year. He's ranked as one of the top quarterbacks and they have a really, coming really into the good, league this year. They have a really, really good uh, quarterback commit coming in, I think, either next that's, year. That's what Tom's that's talking what, yeah, about. Yeah, from, uh, Cal, yeah. from, the kid from uh, Cal Poly yes, High School yes. out there that's uh, like the one of the like five-star, yeah, can't-miss, superstar dudes out there going to Tennessee. So yeah. I, I'd almost – I'd almost bump Josh Heupel up there, but see, I'm also, I'm also using a predictive because I think Tennessee will be better off than Arkansas. But I guess if you're just which going is a lot on, of what this, I mean, this yeah. is going into the season. Bill Benders, one to 131, all FBS head coaches where they rank your top seven in the SEC. Saban one, Smart two, Kelly three, Fisher four, Stoops at Kentucky five, Kiffin at Ole Miss six, Pittman is seven. Tom, take us to the top ten. The next three names don't go any farther. Uh, so Josh Heupel from Tennessee is eight. Mike Leach from Mississippi State is listed at ninth uh, and the 30th in the nation. And then uh, your next is going to be Billy Napier uh, listed at number 10 and the number 32. Napier making overall. his SEC season debut, yeah. taking over Florida. Has yet to coach a game yes. in the SEC, but number 10. What do we think about that? Eight, nine, and ten. Heupel at Tennessee, Leach at Mississippi State, Napier at Florida, yeah, number I'm, ten. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with Hypo being right there at 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 eight, twenty yeah. seventh. Like like Brent said, he he turned Tennessee into a respectable program at, at least for right now. And and like Tom said, they've got really great recruits coming in, so they got a little something going. Um, Mike Leach at nine, thirtieth best head coach. I I don't really know how I feel about that yeah, one. It's like it's for my for my taste. It's kind of like. I don't know if Mike Leach is yeah. a is a super great coach, but I'm struggling to think of Anything 29 good, coaches really that are better. Yeah, I guess you know I, I'm tr- I'm struggling to think of like who would you move up and in, in front yeah. of him. And w- what's jumping out to me here is Billy Napier is automatically listed at 10th in the conference. Right. Who is another guy who has not coached a who game, has not coached in, in the, the conference. conference. And uh, unlike Brian Kelly did not lead Louisiana to competing for national right, titles. Right. And right. you're not going to do that at Louisiana, but it's 
it's just kind of like the jury's still out on for me on Billy you know. Napier. You know, we haven't seen him coach a game right. at the Power Five level, so it's really I, I'm really in wait and see mode, and we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see as we go down how, uh, how that continues. Yeah, and, and see, and that's the thing. I I I'd almost have to put it. Well, I mean, now we start talking about guys that are down further, but a, a guy like Eli Drinkowitz that, that's down there. Right. I you know Drinkowitz. They didn't have a phenomenal season by any means, but, I mean, he seems like a good guy. He seems like a players-type coach. He's been there for a while. He's been there, done that. Um, You know, but you're putting a guy, Billy Napier, up there at at 10, who his success is at Louisiana. Yeah, he had success there, but that's smaller-time football that that you had success at. Bill Bender's college football rankings, looking at SEC coaches. We've given you the top 10. Tom, go the rest of the way for us, and we will point out that really, the back half of these, you look at their overall yeah, rankings in all of college football, they're very close. Yes. These guys the, are very close to one another. Tom, go the rest of the way. We had Billy Napier at 10 yeah. and 32nd overall in the sport. Yeah, and then so and then your 33rd overall at number 11 is Shane Beamer. Uh, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Uh, your 12th best ranked at 36th overall, Eli Drinkwitz at, at Missouri. And then you get your 13th is Brian Harson ranked as the 39th. Uh, best head coach in the country, Brian Harson, and then wrapping up the the SEC as it should be is uh, Clark Lay at uh, at seventy six overall uh, at Vanderbilt. Going into his first season as head coach, yeah. going into his first season at Vanderbilt, and and of course it's Vanderbilt, so they're used to being last in pretty much everything when it yeah. involves football. So I understand that. Um, you know that that's low for Brian Harson. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. Really? No, I I don't think it is either, but. You know, Brian Harson did not do himself any favors last year. They, for for me, when you're looking at Brian Harson, I I have been beating this drum for a little bit now. You changed seven or eight plays over the last six games of the season bro. last year, and you could win any single one of Literally. those games. But you also have to take into account in close games like that, coaching is one of the factors that determine sure. who wins. So sure. uh, Brian Harson did lose to Shane Beamer last year. Uh, he. He lost to Mike Leach last year. Uh, he lost to a lot of teams, but which is interesting because he beat Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin, who are ranked much right. higher. Um, and and that's the crazy thing about all this is, you know, I I, I am supporting Brian Harson, but at the same time, my jury's still out on him. I don't know if sure. I want him to be Auburn's head coach or not. I haven't seen enough yet. But the the fact that you were close enough to winning those games last year, right. and you didn't. That's concerning to me because Auburn was super less talented than uh, than Alabama last year, but you still took them to three overtimes. That's coaching, but you also lost the game because of some questionable play calls, and a lot of that that also falls on coaching. Right. And you can say Brian Harson didn't call those plays. You can say he could have overridden. There's so much we don't know, and at the end of the day, all the buck comes back to the head coach. Right, right. But the fact that you were able to take Alabama into three overtimes – Makes me go, hey, there's maybe something to this guy. You really don't know, and and you know, to that's why I always say like, what what does Auburn's record have to be for Brian Harson to keep his job? I don't know. It could be eight and five, but the five losses all look really bad, and he's still gone. It could be seven and six, but the seven win, but the six losses are all super close. I I doubt right. that. It's it's all, but you, you don't know. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You, everything is. So situational. So for us to sit here and say, uh, you know, Brian Harson is definitely a better coach than Eli Drinkowitz or Shane Beamer uh, is is 
it's tough subjective. right now. It's it's very very subjective. Yeah. Well, uh, but but here's my thing. More years of experience yeah. though for Harson with right. Beamer and Drinkwitz. Nowhere yes. near the and, years of experience and, as a head coach that Harson has had. And my thing is halfway through that season, right? We're playing Mississippi State. We are blowing that lead, but we lose Bo in the third yes, quarter. Yes. You're losing your starting quarterback. I think we can all agree that in that Alabama game, if we have Bo, we win that game. Yeah. If right, I so, I've, I've said this. If the Mississippi State game continues the way it's going, even if Mississippi State does come back a little bit, if the offense is able to do anything, right. the defense gets one or two more stops, the offense scores one or two more touchdowns. We win. Bo's out of that game by the middle by probably beginning of the fourth right. quarter. Yeah. He doesn't get hurt. You have him for South Carolina. You have him for Alabama. You probably win and both that's of those games. Such a and then, difference. you know, whatever bowl game you go to, who knows what you play when you're when you win nine games versus winning six. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's geez, these tiny little gap, things. That talent gap between Bo and TJ was clear. Yes, we there, there was a significant right? drop so, off when so, TJ Finley took so over. So the, the play. No offense to TJ. Change. It's just I mean, it was it's just there. true. Uh, the play calling had to be different. Everything had yes. to be different. He was missing some clear throws like we saw it, you know. Yeah. And so. Kind of that that plays. I just that's why I'm saying I don't think that's fair. I I don't think he's better. I think Harson is better than Eli Drinkowitz. Well, right. I I think that he is a better coach than Eli Drinkowitz. So right? so here's my thing, and, and I don't I, obviously I'm not in the mind of Bill Bender. I don't know how he comes up with this list, yeah. but this is the thing. We could talk about we can talk all day about how close Auburn was and how close they were to this. Yeah, and how absolutely. Close, simple fact is they didn't get it done. Yes. They, yeah. they're, they're still L's there. You ended the season on that losing streak. So, A, that's that's the first thing you think of is what did Brian Harson do? Well, at the end of the season, they ended up with they ended up those, all those losses. And, and and you could sit there again. You, you got to make do with what you yeah, got, right? Though. I know, but you, and I mean, you can sit there and nitpick and figure out, you know, this if this is this. And simple fact is that the L's were there. On top of that, I have to imagine that Bill Bender also took into effect and in, into account the fact that Harson lost all these staff members leaving the whole controversy, the, all yeah. the staff members leaving, all the players leaving, all the trustees ready to fire him immediately after one season. <sighs> I know, but I'm saying and none of that I'm, is on him, but yeah. it is all true. Right. It is all true. And I'm sure those things go into Bender's thinking when he's lining this up. Yeah. Is this is a coach that just, in, you know, lost a bunch of these games, uh, a team that, you know, just was kind of okay. They're not doing good at all on the recruiting trail compared yeah, to yeah. everybody else around them. Fair. They were trying to fire him after one season. But they didn't want <laughs> him here in the first he place. Kept losing, yeah. He kept losing all these staff yes, members. But he kept losing all these players. Of course you're not going to rank him high. And, and if you go with Eli Drinkowitz, yeah, I mean, their success on the field was whatever, but it sounds like, from what I heard, is like everybody loves Eli Drinkowitz's death. Like they, they would love nothing more than to keep him there. Yeah. That's not going to last long. They keep losing, but you're not hearing – Coaches belling out on Eli. You're not hearing players talk about, you know, this guy is unbearable to deal with and, and things like that. Right. You but, just don't hear the controversy. Yeah. But the magnitude of the job is also so different. Right. Yeah. There's oh, the, the expectations right. at right. Auburn the are a lot higher exactly. than they are at Missouri. So, so with that, you got to just, there's just a lot to think about. I, I just don't think that he's, I just don't think Drinkowitz as a coach is nope. better than Harson. I mean, now that Harson has his staff, I think it'll be a lot better. I think he has everybody that he needs to be successful. I think that, you know, the the whole thing with Mason leaving, I get For it. Sure. You know, that was it's whatever. it's weird but, to me. What what drives me up the wall is Auburn fans were ready to crucify Derek Mason and Mike ready. Bobo at the midpoint of the season. Yeah. Then Brian Harson fires Mike Bobo. 
and Derek Mason leaves slash is told to leave, whatever the situation is there, it's a little <laughs> bit foggy. But now all of a sudden that you lose those two coordinators that Auburn fans were ready to crucify, uh, all of a sudden to a lot of people it's a sign of uh, this This is going downhill. There, it's a dumpster fire. You know, it's maybe I. it is so much better – for a coach to be comfortable with his staff and with yes, his players, it, it makes such an impact. Even even if the the staff does not have as big a name. Let me hear from you, Tom. So so my thing is, where Brian Harson is here right now, thirteenth in the SEC, 39th overall. Let the season play out, and when yep. the next time Bill Bender does these rankings, he may jump way up, just like Sam Pittman did. What this thing is, it's not. A, it doesn't look like this is a predictive nature of. I think this is what these teams are going to do, and therefore I'm going to put the coaches there. This is what they have done. This is their success yeah. that they have already accomplished. And even if it's Brian Kelly, yeah, I get it. He hasn't coached a single game there yet, but he's had success at Notre Dame, right, so right. we know he's so that's successful. A major program, so, that's so you fair. have to make these rankings by what they have done now, not what I think they might do this year or might do in the future. Right now. Is what it is, and right now Brian Harson is coming off of a very less than stellar season, filled with controversy and all sorts of stuff. You can't rank him over guys that are being a successful and have no controversy. Just some other him. notes for context here: you've got Dan Lanning at Oregon, number forty-eight overall. Dan Lanning going into his first season, the Georgia defensive coordinator. He's not going to be the forty-eighth best coach at the end of this. I mean, he's he's better than that, but he has no coaching experience. Yeah. Brent Venables. The defensive coordinator from Clemson that's now the Oklahoma head coach, he's number 49 in this. Everything very fair. It's kind of speaking to what you're saying, Tom. You've got to understand the background in all of this. And it is important to remind folks that when we were positive, before you saw a 6-7 and Auburn football team, Brian Harson over the last decade has the third highest winning percentage in college football behind Nick Saban and behind Dabo Sweeney. The guy wins. Right. We just did not see that last right. year at yeah. Auburn, and you're starting to see that reflected from the outside looking in. I have a question uh, about this article. I, I'm looking at Nick Saban at one, and he's number one in the com- country, number one in the SEC. That makes total sense to me. Kirby Smart is second in the SEC, but he's third overall. Who's number two overall? Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. Dabo yeah. Sweeney. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that, but I understand. I, I honestly, honestly, I would put Kirby above Dabo. I'd put, I, I, yeah, I would too. I probably I'd I would put too. Kirby above Dabo right Why? now. Why? Coming off a national championship. Uh, coming off a national championship, but I also think that Kirby and Georgia is recruiting at a higher level right now than also Clemson that. is. Now, Dabo and Clemson, they were yeah, they're, they're doing there, that. For sure. But now Kirby has jumped them yeah. and has the most recent win a national title. Took Georgia their first national title since 1980 and still recruiting on a higher level than Clemson right now. I would actually put Kirby up there above him right now. I guess I it's agree. just the trophy case. Yeah. Right? Sure. Because absolutely. Dabo the still, history. at the end of the day, has more championships. Sure, that's true. Than Kirby Smart does. And I don't know, it just feels like we're going back and forth on what the criteria yeah, is for all yeah. of these people. But now, but now, so we've done the SEC, but there's the one name on here that I just... Yeah, we got to put a significant note out there for I, folks. I, and this is one that I just don't agree with. I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but Gus Malzahn at Central Florida ranked as the number 45 overall head coach. Yeah. That, would, that would put yeah. Gus Malzahn still as the 13th best coach yeah. in the SEC. <laughs> he, he would... I mean, he would be ranked lower than Brian Harson. Yeah. Harson's at 39 overall. Gus Malzahn's at 45 overall. Last year in his rankings, going into Malzahn's first season at UCF, Malzahn was 36. He dropped nine he spots. He dropped him all. What was their record last year? 
was it a nine nine win season? I think uh, I eight wins, eight maybe eight or eight, nine. I, I'll, wow. I'll Google it. Y'all continue to. Yeah. And you drop him that much? It looked it looked better at the start, and then remember yeah. UCF had everybody and their father injured right. last they season um, towards the end there, and so things weren't as great for. I you know and our old pal. a wide receiver. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I've I have UCF went nine and four last. I season. mean a nine a eight nine, and four their ninth win coming sure. in the bowl game. That's not. Great, but it's not, not terrible, terrible either. No, that's not terrible. Six and Gus Malzahn gets a postseason win. But but again, oh, and and I oof, ah, I, I'm kind of like going against what I said because I, you know, you you're sitting there thinking it's not a predictive nature, but you know, it's also not what it just is. they did last year. Yeah, it's a, an accumulation and of so everything that they you done. have, to, and and it's kind of accumulation of what Malzahn didn't do here at Auburn. That has him that low. Because I told you I told you that number 48 is Dan Lanning at Oregon. Right. Number 49 is Brent Venables at Oklahoma. But number 35, number 35 in the entire country. Right between Beamer and Drinkowitz. Is Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, Who, who's never been a head yeah, coach yeah. before. Yeah. Who's well. taking over for Brian Kelly. Leaving. That's that's That feels like a case of vibes. You know, I, I talk about vibes <laughs> on this show a good you're, bit. You're right. Um, it's it, and and look, everybody at Notre Dame loved Marcus Freeman right. when he was an assistant, and now that he's the head coach, it it really feels that everybody in uh, where are they? Where are they? East? Where's where's Notre Dame? Where is Notre Dame? Know, South Bend. South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana. Not East. Not East. Whatever. South Bend, Indiana. Everybody in South Bend seems to love Marcus Freeman, so I, I think he will have success. And he is he is a familiar face taking over a program that was already headed in the right direction. So I, I think Marcus Freeman's going to be good, but again, we just talked about never been a head coach before. So what's your what's your criteria? Yeah, well, see, and, and that's where I think you come in with some inconsistencies with Bill Bender because yes. with that, then that is a predictive nature. That yeah. that is not a what have you done for me lately because he hasn't so done anything for me lately. Going to do? If, if you're is, arguing that he you're was, going into a big time program yes. that has a lot of talent already there, and so I'm I'm assuming. That you're he's going to do, gonna do well, yeah. well, but yeah. you're but you're not doing that with these other guys. No. Yeah. What What's interesting to me is that if you are saying, oh well, he was a great coordinator, and now he's going to move to a head coach that with it to a place that has a lot of talent, and he's proven what, that he can do it at the coordinator level, then why is Dan Lanning so low? Because right. Georgia's defense has been um, among the best in the country for several years now, and now he is going to. It's not the same school, but still an, uh, a program that has a ton of talent towards the towards the top end of a Power Five com- conference. Uh, in you know, it's it's like you said. There's some inconsistencies, in and this this is talking season. We you know? talked about sure. Marcus Freeman with him, and he was very complimentary, which is true of the recruiting job that Marcus yes. Freeman has done already. Right, hitting home runs out there as a recruiter. So uh, it is talking season, Brant. We love it. We're going to continue to do this every day until do. football season yeah. gets here. Uh, well, this got, was a great discussion. We're we're not too far away from uh, being on location in Atlanta. Yeah, yep. it'll be around yeah. the corner. Not too far down the road. It'll be, be around so the corner, fun. so we'll see. Uh, be talk about talking fun. season. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. Well, we got to take our first commercial break here on our first commercial break. What am I saying? <laughs> I've completely blanked out. Our first, last commercial first break. Final, uh, our first final commercial break, and we'll start to wrap <laughs> up uh, the show right after this. This is Sports Call. Thank you. 
All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. Final few moments of Sports Call. This is Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson alongside Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Kim Berry. As we've uh, got the show almost over here. And before we do that, as we do each and every Monday, let's go ahead and we'll run through a best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Let's have some fun here. Uh, Tom, what you got? Uh, I'll go with the best. And I'm actually going to change script. I, I can do it from today, right? Yeah. So, uh... Got to go with the baby bird in the Auburn dugout <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, during yeah. the game. Uh, so uh, heat index out there in Omaha, over 100, sweltering heat, and apparently a baby bird somehow got into the Auburn dugout and was definitely not doing well. And the camera showed some of the Auburn players pouring some water out on the ground for this bird. Uh, and then uh, after the game, it was transferred, transferred to a wildlife uh, rehab place. So – yeah, Auburn. Baby bird is okay. You know, hey, Auburn War Eagles vet school <laughs> peacocks. A lot of, a lot of always pe- on well, the lookout. Yeah, birds. Peacocks. Yeah, all right. So, so uh, help save potentially save a baby bird that has now been transferred to a wildlife rehab center. So, good job, guys. So put an even better happy face on Auburn getting a win today. Yeah. Saved a baby bird that was in distress. Brant, what you got? I have nothing. Okay. I'll be totally honest. Awesome, Cam. What you got? Um. I've been thinking about best, this. I've been thinking about this since the start of the show. Best got actually, um, birthday turned twenty five, so another year. Atta boy, um, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good answer. Got some, got some new sneakers. So, um, got a couple new pairs of sneakers from my friend and my girlfriend. So, um, yeah, I'm living another year. It. Was year this 25, hand gesture yep. that you just thought of something? I thought of something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, year twenty five, brother. Um, my worst of the weekend, and I started thinking about it. Because Tom used something from today, I'll also use something from today. I got a wedding invitation today nice. uh, for November 12th. No! That is the day that Auburn hosts Texas A&M. <laughs> oh, no! Do these people in the South Bro, not realize yeah, that no, you don't dude, get married? They, don't are, they, are, they met at the University of Georgia. Oh, and they Georgia, don't know, and they, Georgia plays Mississippi State that day. And they don't know it, and they State. just don't no, know it. No, they know. They know. Why? They know, and they're do doing it? it anyway. Wow. Savages. So, good for them. I, uh... I've got decisions to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's decision time. Yeah, it's decision yeah, yeah. time, baby. Um, my worst of the weekend will be probably the Braves losing streak or winning streak coming to an end. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, as that it was, was going. A lot of fun. Um, and um, losing on that on that Friday, I was I was so upset and one zero at that. Like, just wow. Anyway, um, but that'll be my worst of the weekend for sure. Um, yeah. New streak. Yeah, new streak begins now after uh, beating the Cubs. Let's see if we can uh, 
continue on and beat up some San Francisco Giants. I'll take a worst of the weekend that you just brought up a moment ago that Kenny Atkinson is not going to be the head coach (laughs) of the Charlotte Hornets uh, after accepting the job nine days ago. Not because he's not coming, uh, because one, I've I've made it very vocal. I did not want James Borrego fired in the first place. Right, yeah. But two, just the whole situation is terrible, and now it resets – so now what does a franchise do? Do you go back to the guys that you know that you didn't choose the first time and say, hey, sorry, second this choice. guy kind of, uh, yeah, you're the second choice. Do you still want to come be our head coach? Mike I would like Tony. to think they'll be excited about it because you've got an all-star in LaMelo Ball and an up-and-coming team, uh, but we shall see. All in all, that just sucked. Tom, you got a worst of the weekend? Uh, yeah, I do, and it's it's a sad one. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but, man, uh Thoughts, prayers, and everything out to uh, the Pegese family. Uh, Dylan Pegese, their teenage son, uh, was involved in a uh, car accident. He was about to be a, a senior at Auburn oh, High man. School, uh, was on their soccer team, involved in a uh, car accident, I um, guess came in contact with a, a live power line uh, oh, exiting man. his vehicle. Hmm. Um, they got him to Birmingham in critical condition, but uh, he unfortunately passed away. And Man. so uh, his father was uh, uh, Gary Pegues, Coach Gary Pegues, who coached for a long time at Auburn, uh, Auburn High School, played college ball at LSU. Uh, and there was, but yeah, their son Dylan uh, passed away from that car accident over the weekend. Man. So very sad for the Auburn High family, and very sad for uh, the Pegues family. Yeah, thoughts and prayers for sure. Uh, thoughts and prayers for sure. It's our best and worst of the weekend. The best things that happen. The worst things that happen. The funny things that happen. This is uh, where I bring up funny. Uh, dumb crimes that take place and uh, a little bit of a curveball because we like to have fun. We like to uh, laugh and be humorous uh, a little bit. Why'd you you say it like that? Discuss things that... We like to laugh and be humorous. Don't you? (laughs) Yeah, but I don't say it like a weirdo. Yeah, that's true. I am a weirdo. Um, But (laughs) uh, (laughs) President Biden had an oh no moment over the weekend. Yeah, I did see this. uh, I did see this. uh, on, On his bicycle. Um, which was, uh, yeah, you know, uh, apolitical by choice, but this is very funny. Right. It was, it was very funny. It's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of people have, it looked like his pedal had the, the slot, the whatever, a slot for your foot to go in. Yes. Right. Had and, a little strap over the um, top of it, right? That's a strap yep. is what I'm looking for. That word there. And, uh, Tom just came tumbling down man just yeah, kind of misplaced the foot yeah and <laughs> tried to tried to take the foot off to put it on the ground but it caught up on the uh on the strap, strap or whatever it was yeah down goes Biden. <laughs> down goes the president <laughs> <laughs> down goes biden <laughs> yeah. and so, so now there's funny. memes all over the place oh, all hey, over the place man gifs gifs or however you want to pronounce it and memes and probably everything. not the way the white house staff wanted to spend their saturday making <laughs> official statements which they had to do yeah. uh, but uh that's where I, we are nonetheless I, that's where i we don't are. know why the official statement can't just be joe biden popping up immediately and going like i'm good <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, he's fine he's he will, fine people he treated his own injuries and he is going to be okay injuries so <laughs> well it was the slowest fall of it, all really time. it really it was it took him so long like a classic old people. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> a true oh no yeah. moment yep. <laughs> as uh, as he started to uh, tumble over there. It was so, like slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Quite funny. Man. Quite funny. Uh, well, look, that about uh, does it for our Joe. show here today. We've got coming up uh, tomorrow another fun edition of the program. We'll see. <laughs> 
a certain guest that could stop by. Still trying to get all those ducks in a row um, and, and see what our program looks like tomorrow. And we've got Thunder Chickens getting started tomorrow as well. So, Thunder Chickens. Hey, we're going to be some fried chickens we, out there as hot as it's going to be. We yeah, it's need, not starting until like 7. We'll be fine. Hey, make <laughs> sure we get some good rest this evening, okay? I'm st- I am not sleeping tonight. <laughs> I'm not sleeping. I'm not just because you said just that. Because. Going, just because you said going that. Going straight to the gym after I get off. But I am then you're going to sleep that. well tonight. Yes. I'll okay. Very I'm well. also going to the gym tonight. I have to work tonight. So. But get some sleep. Okay. We have a big what time, game what time, tomorrow. What time will uh, will you get off? Because I know Fat Daddy says it closes until like 5 in the morning. Gets, oh, no, that, no. On Mondays, we're usually out there around 1. Sweet. Right, fair enough. All right. Well, knock, Tom, knock, we'll see you Wednesday. Knock on, knock on wood. <laughs> see you Wednesday. See you Tuesday. I'll see you at the game, but we'll, the sports call people will see you on Wednesday. Okay, I'll be here. Brent Cam, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having me, sir. That does it for today's show. Again, for Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson, the one and only. Thank you, and good day. <laughs>